I'm going to put in some, like, dramatic music. Gentlemen, I have brought you in because you're the foremost experts in art in your field. Sign these documents stating that you're not allowed to say anything or we will release that you touch children. All right. This is probe clause now at the bottom. Hoorah. I have brought you in. The president needs advisors on a coming alien invasion. Approximately two hours ago, our satellites picked up imagery. No one can really understand it, so we're just going to tell you what it says. It says that these comets are slowing down. We only have one belief. It's aliens. So we need your advice. You need to prep how you are going to stop this invasion and brief it to the president through the art of reviewing movies. This is like a mystery science theater opener. This is, yeah. this is good shit. <laughs> Fourth wall I will refer to myself in the third person. <laughs> Shane, what movie have you presented? <clears throat> Do you want to introduce the people um, on the fucking podcast or no? Fuck you. Your Honor, I bring uh, Independence Day <laughs> as uh, Exhibit A. Uh, Ronnie. Hi, I'm Ronnie. I'm the cantankerous bitch of the podcast, and I... Bring my sacrifice of the film Arrival to the uh, war room. Of course you bring some hippy-dippy bullshit to this. <laughs> You've seen my hair. <laughs> and of course, Corey. Welcome. Hello, this is Corey from Big Dumb Movie. I am bringing Edge of Tomorrow to the table today. Good. You guys have brought your war face <laughs> other than Ronnie. <laughs> um, I think we're also missing another person, Shane. What happened to our fourth or our second or fourth member or second guest? I didn't want to bring it up, but the uh, aliens got to him before we could get him. Oh, too bad, man. The man with the shittiest audio will not be joining us today. What a shame. <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, it won't sound like every news interview during COVID, where even Fox News has Zoom calls. Sorry, Hobo Dan, RIP. Yeah. The aliens, unfortunately, won't let him Zoom in. So. <laughs> Too much probing. Mm. Okay, Shane, what are we doing here? So, once again, welcome to the Waste Potential Podcast. Uh, this uh, episode, we're going to be reviewing alien invasion movies. Or first contact, kind of. More invasion. Um, this was brought on mostly because every July 4th I go, oh, fuck, I need to do Independence Day. And then I watch Independence Day and I go, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that feeling so well, dude. It's like, yeah, it's the 4th of July. Time to get, like, you know, patriotic. I put on Independence Day and I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> God, I hate America. Sucks. <laughs> Every year for Fourth of July, my uh, mother-in-law goes, "Oh, it's Independence Day. We get to watch Independence Day," and I, and I just like grind my teeth the entire time because, like, you know, like people put movies on in the background, kind of, kind of like you know for Christmas and holidays, so you can kind of half watch it. And it's always the scene, like whenever Will Smith is on the screen, I just look over. I'm like, "Huh, at least he's having fun." I it, we'll talk about it, but yeah, there's a lot of problems. But I will say. I originally was going to choose Battle Los Angeles and with Aaron Eckhart because no one knows of this movie. And then they kind of see the cover and they're like, wait, I've seen that somewhere before. <laughs> and you're like, yes. Um, no and then I watched it 
And I was like, there's nothing to talk about. This is just a Marine recruiting video for two hours. <laughs> Good Wednesday morning, 94.5 with the Surfride Morning Surf Report. Hard morning, Staff Sergeant. Staff Sergeant. <laughs> resources you wipe out the indigenous population right now we are being colonized what the hell is that thing oh my god you will be a weapon you will be a minister of death praying for war but until that day you are pukes you are the lowest form of life on earth you are not even human fucking beings you are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. So, like, then I was like, okay, Independence Day it is. And I watched Independence Day and I go, I should have done Battle Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Another regret down the drain with Independence Day, you know? That's all it is. Yeah. It's a regret movie <laughs> through and through. Yeah. At least I can talk about more with Independence Day. Battle Los Angeles, I would have talked about it for like 10 minutes and be like, and that, the rinse, dry, repeat for two hours. <laughs> Yeah. Join the Marines. Independence Day has a so goddamn ironically it's the longest movie we've watched for this podcast today. And it's got the most going on, one. but also the least going on here. Okay. <laughs> for the uninitiated, Shane, do you want to give a brief synopsis of Independence Day? Maybe we can I don't know how you want to do this, go by okay. scene by scene or just talk about main kind of areas that you like I'll, or hate or whatever. I'll give just my brief synopsis of it and then we'll just we'll go in. Independence Day. miles and with themselves. Where are they heading? We should be entering our atmosphere within the next 25 minutes. Let's just get there as quickly as What's possible. What's the rush, huh? Think we'll get to Washington and won't be there? It is confirmed. The unexplained phenomenon is headed for Moscow. It's like a chess. First their position in pieces, use this one signal to synchronize their efforts. And then what? Checkmate. don't think they flew 90 billion light years to start a fight. God, I hope they bring back Elvis! There's gonna be a lot of frightened people out there. Yeah. 
Captain Hiller? No, sir. Just a little anxious to get up there and whoop E.T.'s ass, that's all. Welcome to Earth. Is a Roland Emmerich film, so I should tell you everything you need to know about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's American, oddly Jewish, oh my God. and it's about aliens have arrived on Earth, and President Lone Star approval rating is down. <laughs> For some reason, he seems like a very likable president. I don't know why he'd be so down, but um, they say aliens, he's like weak, right? They say like people don't believe yeah. you're strong or whatever. Yeah, because you you talk to people and make compromises. We elected a, a which elected a, actually might work. Elected a soldier and got a dementia old man. They said I can't remember what they said about him. You suck, you jackass. Welcome to Earth. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but so aliens come, no one knows what's going on except Jeff Goldblum, who is the smartest man ever, but he works as a cable guy for a news network. Um, but he's tied in because he, his ex-wife works directly with the president, but he punched the president at some point cause he thought he was sleeping with his wife. This is all unnecessary. Um, <laughs> the aliens turn out to not be nice. Jeff Goldblum knew all along. Uh, but they start blowing up the world. Um, we can't stop them because their shields are too strong. So we summon the Gungans <clears throat> to, to bring down their shields. You should have talked about the um, Phantom Menace instead. Oh my God! Starting up the shield. Um, that's an okay. invasion yeah, that movie. That is an invasion movie. Yeah. <laughs> we invade them with bureaucracy. <laughs> um, and donut-shaped uh, starships. And a trade federation that blocks trade. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the aliens are bad. We find out that Area 51 was a thing. For some reason, the Secretary of Defense knows about it, but the President doesn't. Whatever. <laughs> um, Will Smith shows up as the best pilot to ever pilot. Except he didn't get accepted into NASA, probably because of racism. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, where was affirmative action when he applied yeah. to NASA? <laughs> right. So, ninety-seven. Long story short, Jeff Goldblum decides that he can create a virus that communicates with the aliens, and Will Smith knows how to pilot an alien aircraft. They go, they infect it, they blow up the thing. Big dogfight with F-18s takes hold. Randy Quaid's there. Oh, you forgot about Randy Quaid. (laughs) Hi, I'm Randy Quaid, and this is my wife, Evie. I help media giants News Corp and Warner Brothers Entertainment earn well over a billion dollars for the film's Independence Day and Christmas vacation. What did I get in return? Stole my house. Continues to smear me to high heaven with a pack of lies. No, for real. Hashtag PMC, police media corruption. So how do we retaliate? Well, I still have a few tricks too. This is the very same shirt that I wore in ID4 when I saved the world. Maybe you'll thank me for this. Use the false loop. 
Randy Quaid rams himself into the alien spacecraft, bringing it down. Big heroic moment. Bill Pullman gives a big speech that everyone knows. Uh, and then it ends with uh, everyone coming together and world peace. Forget about the stripper through... and the dead wife. You forget about everything. And the dog. Don't forget the there, dog. There's a lot of in-between that doesn't matter at all <laughs> but we have it oh also the chick from uh the president from battlestar galactica is the president's wife in this hell yeah dude mary mcdonald i think yeah. is her name she's awesome she doesn't do much but she's there she but dies. she's great on her own you know yeah independent yeah. of independence day <laughs> um and we get this big big blockbuster film which has moments of like fuck yeah and moments of what <laughs> but um Independence Day. Independence Day. I, I want to say a couple things. Actually, if I want to start with a question for you guys. Sorry, take Because it I think over. I'm older than you guys, like, significantly. I can never remember. I'm usually the older one on any given podcast. Mm. Do you guys remember when this movie came out? No. I saw it in theaters. I stood in line with my dad to see it. I was probably, like, seven? Because it's, what, 98? 1996. 96 oh so i was like five holy shit <laughs> yeah so you were like um, the same age as buckwheat in this movie like will smith's son <laughs> yeah yeah and i just remember it kicking ass um <laughs> i was five so but yeah I, I remember standing in line to see it and then seeing it i remember it being like blowing my mind what about you ronnie but uh this is know. a home video movie for me i remember renting it and i think everyone I guess in this era of like nine, like you know, mid, early, mid nineties, late early two thousands, everyone likes this movie. At least for me, until you grow up and you're like, oh. Well, it, it, everyone likes it because it does have some very iconic moments, like the White House blowing up. That's what everyone remembers, and they remember "Welcome to Earth." I sure do. <laughs> like, but it, it's got a lot of fun moments. But like once you sit down and put it all together. It's a disaster. <laughs> Corey, you had a question. Disaster there? movie. Mm. Corey, when did you see it? Well, I saw this when it first came out and just like you, Shane, it was like the most epic movie ever at the time. It was huge. It made a ton of money. Everyone loved this movie when it came out, it seemed like. And like you said, mostly known for its big iconic moments were just, they were all over the trailers but also, the thing that I think still works for this movie is that it has some really memorable characters. Not Will Smith, because he's just 90s Will Smith, and he's always the same. Yeah, he's out of place. And he's lame. But Randy Quaid is like a very <laughs> memorable, perfect character for this movie. He's just like a lunatic. He's like the proto-real-life Randy Quaid, like what he became, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely inserting him. Possibly in a hotel room talking to the camera. He's basically just <laughs> Uncle Eddie. He, just, he plays the same character always. Is. The only other role I remember him in is Kingpin. He plays the Amish dude. That was an epic movie as well. <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> but also fucking Brent Spiner as the crazy scientist mm -hmm. guy. You know, he's yeah. like been 
in this lab in area 51 for like 20 years you feel like he's never been let out like he's never seen sunlight (laughs) (laughs) wow Uh, this what a pleasure as you can imagine they they don't let us out much who let the dogs out who let the dogs out who let the dogs out i can understand that And he's just like completely lost in his work. I love him in this movie. Yeah. The problem is. And he's like unfazed that these aliens are here to kill us all. He's like, yeah, this is amazing. That makes sense though. Cause like if you're locked, like you, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome where you're basically kind of like you have all your like focus on one thing your entire life. So then when it actually comes down to earth, you see like rolling, like, I don't really care what I was doing to humans. I'm living with aliens basically. Mm -hmm. I like Bill Pullman's character too in this a lot. I think he does a very good job as a young president. Young in like a cosmic sense? I don't know. He, he's seen, looking through the lens of now, he seems far too young to be a president. Yeah, I know, with our current uh, last few presidents. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Here's the deal. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. Um, but he he does a good president. He seems like he's in charge uh, he has no personality, so he's probably a really good president. Yeah. Like he has no energy. He has like, he's he's like a pragmatist. He's like, I want to get more information, bitch. It's gonna blow up in eight minutes. Like so, like well, I need more information to figure out what to do. I'm like, ah, oh, well, you're shit. Luck. He's not a strong leader though. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't like to make decisions. Mr. President. Yeah, that is me. Pollution in Springfield has reached crisis levels. Ugh, I hate this job. Everything's crisis, this, and end of the world, that. Nobody opens with a joke. I'm Miss Danny DeVito. So here is our chance to kick some ass for Mother Earth. You don't even want to read them first? I was elected to lead, not to read. Really? Um, can we talk about Will Smith? Because, like, he's kind of a weird character in this. Like, I feel like he was an afterthought. We're like, we need some, we need an A-list, like, pizzazz. And so they're like, why not Will Smith? And then his character was just written in because he doesn't act appropriately. He acts like Will Smith. <laughs> his character is not integral to the plot. He's just kind of like but bringing he, broad but He in. really is, though. <laughs> he's the only one who can fly that spaceship that he watched maneuver for why? 10 minutes. Because he says so, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, any of those scientists that have worked on it for years could have flown that fucker, too. You've seen them? Nerds can't fly. <laughs> Step aside, nerd. Like, Will Smith puts on his sunglasses. I can fly this bitch. Welcome to Earth. I know. Who's got a cock-sized cigar I can smoke? Who's got one? He's got a napkin that says forward, reversed, and start. (laughs) Like, like it's so bad. And I'm like, okay, if we're going to have that character, I would have replaced him with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that would have been way more fun. And I would have looked past a lot more. If he's just like... Fuck you, alien. And he just punches it in the face. Like, <laughs> I've seen you before. You're the asshole on TV. Right? Wrong. I don't know. Because Will Smith is too cocky. He's too unfazed. He's never seen an alien in his life before. And he's just like, I'm going to kick some alien ass. And you're like, what? Like, I... And like his scene where he confronts it and he like punches it out is dumb right and it's it's meant to be like fun and a big trailer moment but like 
what they explain like shortly after is like that's the alien's armor. Like imagine yeah. punching a man in the helmet. Like it's basically it's, that. It's battle armor. Yeah, and it's like they're exoskeleton so like you assume it's strong and hardy. Why would he be able to knock it out for that long? Here's a uh, a I, question I want to kind of I guess throw in since you mentioned the the battle armor there. Corey, uh what's your like I guess I'm going to steal a big dumb movie idea. What's your like rating on any scale of like this design of alien? Uh, I actually really like this design of alien because they took like what's kind of the public idea of Roswell aliens, which do mm-hmm. play a part in this movie, like the little green men type of alien, little guys with a big head, no mouth, big eyes, right? Yep. They took that and they said, well, how do we make it like a little bit more threatening and like more... Um, I don't know, something that would be better as a toy, which I love the Independence Day toys, by the way. Some of my favorite toys of all time are the aliens <laughs> from Independence Day. I still have Hell some yeah. in the box. What but, were they, like, what did they come with, like the toys themselves? Dude, they come with a fucking floppy disk. And this, fl- cause what? it's like a floppy disk that's like only compatible for like Windows 95. You plug in this <laughs> floppy disk and each alien has like a different little game that you would play on your computer. That's fucking And I remember awesome. them being like very confusing. Like you had to like do some like mix and match the alien eggs. They're like, they're not like, they're not like Resident Evil 4, right? They're not like big games, but uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty fun for the time. So it's funny to like buy one now. Like if I go to like retro toy stores and get one and it has a little floppy disk inside, <laughs> it just kind of dates it in a very beautiful way. But I like the big alien armor with the tentacles. And, you know, I'm a big fan of hentai, so that's a, another reason. As <laughs> <laughs> a side note. This is a side note. I'm just going to throw it out there for any of the hentai fans. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd they at? Where'd they at? <laughs> um, no, I, I agree with Corey. These aliens kick ass. They look cool. Their spacecraft is cool. Their ships are cool. Their weaponry is cool. And they're scary. They're like, they're big. The tentacles grab things. They like have the reverse knees that they always do for aliens, where their knees go backwards and it's creepy. They and I, I like the battle armor idea. That was a good idea to be like they're not intimidating, but when they put on their armor, they're a problem. I do wish that I don't know why they did it. Maybe it was God forbid budgetary restrictions. I don't know. Um, they didn't do land battles with these aliens. It was all in the air, which makes sense for me that their first strike would be aerial. And then they show like, oh, they're prepping for an invasion. But I think it would have been fun to have a land component, like aliens going through the street, shooting people and like a little bit of gunfight. But I think that's the whole maybe point, that's the though. battle of Los Angeles in me coming out. Yeah, well, that's also a good question is why, why bother having battle armor if you're not going to engage on a, you know, hand to hand combat? Yeah, and why would they wear their battle armor in their spaceships? Unless you're expecting like a hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, there are things what? about this movie that don't make sense. It's true. No, but like, <laughs> like for me, like that—that shit's just fun to make fun of. But like, people love this movie. So what I'm getting the consensus is we think this movie sucks. So, but how do you explain this movie sucks? And I think it's really complicated. <laughs> like, I don't think it's so simple as. It's dumb because it's dumb, but a lot of entertaining movies are dumb. Like this movie is the epitome of July Fourth. It is a hot dog. <laughs> when you think about a hot dog, you go, "God 
damn hot dogs taste good. But then if you start to think about what a hot dog is, <laughs> you start to think how it's made, what goes into this hot dog, Delicious. you start to just shiver and go, oh, dear God. <laughs> and and so your best bet is to just eat the hot dog and enjoy the taste and don't think too hard on it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a cool concept for the time, too. Like a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. the way they approached this alien invasion with uh, integrating modern technology as a component as to how like aliens are um, discovering us and attacking us and like shutting down our communications, things like that. And I like the idea of the, the flying saucers not being these little flying saucers that are like the size of cars, which is more like the 50s era sci-fi type aliens, right? Mm-hmm. Giant flying saucers that are like, you know, they cover an entire city. That's a really scary notion, just the concept of like yeah. how big their ships are and the fact that they just show up and they just kind of like loom over for a while and we don't know what to make of them. Like that, that's a pretty scary thought. The execution in this movie doesn't uh, play it super well, but we do get those big moments, right? The big moments of destruction. And I got to say, you know, I love this old school style of special effects. What do you think, Ronnie, about like those kinds of special effects with the models? I think it's like the best way to do it because it's the human eye detects fake pretty easily. But like the models blend something that's physical that we can understand with our eyes that, that doesn't look automatically fake. Then you add the the beam of light is, okay, that's the more CGI kind of thing like that. I think that's what like the best way to do it is that a combination of both. I know nowadays, like for example, Marvel movies, you kind of forget you're watching special effects because you're just kind of into the whole spectacle. But there is always that those moments where it takes you out of it. But like, I can't fault this movie for the visual effects. Like they're like some of them are very '90s, like when Will Smith and the Alien are flying. But I'm like, eh, that's it's of its time. I don't get hung up on those kind of things. But I like them a lot. The the models and then putting in the the other CGI kind of stuff. I only remember the only special effects in this that I went, wow, that looks bad, was when the dog jumps in the tunnel. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, God. And I was, like, sitting there, and I was just, like, I was a little intoxicated, but I was like, what? What is happening? Why? <laughs> why is there a dog? Is that how you sound? Why, do, why are we chasing? Why do we care? And it's just to be, like, so the audience can go, no, not the dog. It literally was that when too. It makes like it, that was yeah. literally why they did that, and that's why that's all that's there for. That's why I hate this movie because it's like the common denominator of everything. The only thing this movie is missing is a pregnant woman. Like it has every like cliche and thing to like draw you in: patriotism, military, alien explosion, eradication, silly quips, uh, silly yeah. character who's <laughs> like who does gay jokes, who sings. Um, a goose dies. A stripper. Uh, the, yeah, the <laughs> yep. Goose dies. Goose dies. Uh, the fucking uh, presidents ordering people. There's a slimy weasel in the White House giving them bad orders. There's that one guy who's always a general, same with his gruff voice. Like it's just everything in there. You got Robert Judd Hirsch Lugia. being yeah. You have <laughs> Judd Hirsch being Jewish in there. You have Jeff Goldblum being a sexy nerd. You have everything you need in a 90s movie to make it perfect and it just feels like it's concocted to just piss me off and make everyone love it. <laughs> <laughs> well you know what you talk yeah. about Jeff Goldblum which we haven't really talked about quite yet 
Mm-hmm. He is the sexy nerd because when I was a kid oh, yeah. and I saw this, I just thought he was like a nerd, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I got older that I realized like he's actually like he he exudes a lot of like sex appeal. Yeah, he's got glasses and he's like the Jeff Goldblum isms, which kind of make him nerdy mm-hmm. inherently. But he's not like like imagine if like that Brent Spiner character was in his place, it wouldn't quite work, right? <laughs> you can cut this, Shane, but um. But Shane and I just did a podcast on the fly, and we talked to, like and talked about the sexy the sexiness of that film, and then you get into Jurassic Park too. So hot, He's, uh, his chest is open, so like he is an, like an invariant or maybe intentionally like sex symbol of the the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> oh yeah, and a nerd in all three of these movies, right? Jurassic Park, The Fly, and this one. Yeah, he's like a scientist in every one of these movies. <laughs> yep, <laughs> he he does this character. Is the same character he plays in The Fly that he plays in Jurassic Park? <laughs> like, no, no, no. no. Uh, He's way cooler. Ian Malcolm is the epitome of awesomeness. <laughs> I would say that's the most. That's his. Yeah, his his uh, final form. He's he, like, he's that's... the most um, like mythical creature of all time. The rock star scientist. It's not a real thing where he wears leather jackets and talks about chaos and gets you... laid. <laughs> I would let Jeff Goldblum rearrange my guts any day. That man exudes sexy and expensive. <laughs> wow, jeez. You can't find another actor that's quite like Jeff Goldblum. No, he will forever be his own person <laughs> no he's amazing yeah do but you like, i don't think quite enough to save this movie do, do you and like his no. environmentalist nerdiness or do you think it's a little grating uh, it's like these characters were given something to give them character but it feels bolted on it doesn't feel natural because it doesn't really have any payoff like there's no like there's no message about, the, oh, the aliens can't drink our water because it's too polluted. Like, I, I, there's no payoff to why he's an environmentalist. It's just like a he needs something more for his character. Oh, he's a hippie. Like, I I don't know. What, what do you think, Corey? Because all the characters have it. They all have this, like, bolted-on thing to add character. But at least, like, the president's, like, bolted-on is he was a desert storm pilot which pays off because he flies the plane again which is dumb but he does it (laughs) like gold blooms doesn't have a payoff yeah and we start to see a lot of the problems with this movie i mean gold blooms presence i think is um it's like nice to see but maybe it's mostly because like now like my grown appreciation for jeff goldblum so like you know, at the time, like I said, I kind of thought he was a nerd. And like Will Smith was the guy that I really wanted to see as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was like a Fresh Prince fan <laughs> and stuff. So who was It's just. Was this before or after Men in Black? Before. I think 1994. Okay. I think one year before, yeah. I think next summer was okay. Men in Black. And then Wild Wild West was after Men in Black. Check out our podcast on Wild Wild West. Um, so. You kind of mentioned this, Shane. You mentioned like his lack of a character arc, and this is when I, when I was rewatching this. This is the scene that broke me, and I got mad at this movie because like this movie is like a benign tumor. Like it doesn't really bother me. Like I, I kind of just roll my eyes at it, but it's not like it's ruining a franchise or it's a bunch of characters I care about. So it doesn't really matter to me. But the scene that broke me was when Judge, not Judge Hirsch, the Judge Hirsch. Judge 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 Hirsch. Hirsch. I'm getting Judge Nelson and Judge Hirsch confused, and they're so the same person, obviously. Okay, <laughs> Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. There we go. 
Judge Judy too. So Judd uh, Hirsch is Jeff Goldblum's father, very Jewish. Mm-hmm. And they have a scene when after Jeff Goldblum's upset because they want to nuke the aliens and it's going to destroy the environment, which is definitely forgotten about. But Judd Hirsch <laughs> tells him, hey, you got to have faith. And I was like, oh, maybe there's actually a deeper like theme in this movie that I've forgotten about that's going to like redeem this. And he immediately goes, oh, well, fuck it. You're going to catch a cold. And then that's the catalyst that like gives Jeff Goldblum the idea to send a a malware virus to the aliens. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, this is the scene where Judd Hurst says, you got to have faith in things. I lost my faith when your mother died, but it's important to not give up on humanity, even when they make mistakes. And then from there, like he says, Oh, you know, they're like a virus spreading like locusts and we got to stop them. And he goes like a virus. Then that clicks. But instead he says, you're going to catch a cold. I'm like, Fuck you! This is terrible writing. This is—it's like literally handed to you to connect a deeper theme. To this I wrote this in ten seconds, and it's better in this one scene at least. I'm like this is better. Like don't fucking talk down to me, goddamn it! I'm not stupid. <laughs> David, David, you need your rest. Come on, get off this freezing concrete floor before you catch cold. Come on. What you say? You mean about faith? Well. You see, a man can leave his power. I don't want you to catch cold. Come on! And I was like, is this a War of the Worlds joke? Where we beat the aliens, spoiler alert, because they don't have immunity to our germs and bacteria? I was like, is he? Oh, it's a computer virus, because in the 90s, computers and were the thing. I've heard the word virus <laughs> Yeah, before. and, you know, you're talking about faith. And this is the second time I had this thought during this podcast, but I think Signs might be a better movie. I wrote this so- down because, like, the movie I have, I had Signs vibes, but I think the movie I picked is better than Signs. Signs is better in the fact that it's more atmospheric. Like, Signs is a good movie until the end, and then you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, yeah, there are definitely things in Signs that don't make sense, like Independence Day. But at least it does maintain its uh, intended theme of faith. Yeah. I don't know what is going on with Independence Day. It's just like dumb. I want to say it's like an action movie, but honestly, it's kind of a slog. Yeah. It's and I was comp- the best I could compare this to is the, the closest director I could find. And it's not a hard connection to make is Michael Bay. When you deal with Roland Emmerich and Michael Bay, they're the same. But it, it pains me to say that. When I think of Transformers, I think of a more coherent product than Independence Day. <laughs> How dare you? I don't know. But, there... but I was like, at least I know what Megatron's after. Before time began, there was the cube. like a MacGuffin Transformers do (laughs) yeah like but Independence Day it's all like almost whispered like oh yeah they're after water and then it moves on like it's like what I was gonna complain about that and say I like my alien movies to have like to understand the aliens 
because okay well my, my choice in movies like a hippy dippy like you know whiny pussy movie compared to this <laughs> but then the movie that Corey picked i was like oh no the aliens are just bad and i don't give a shit i, th- I think it's just a different style and better movie making <laughs> edge of tomorrow which Corey picked yeah is independence day done correctly well it's, well, it's, <laughs> it's not bloated like that movie, I, yeah. get, we'll get, I don't want to jump ahead, but like this movie's just bloated. There's so many characters that could have been combined. I think the cool idea would be take Jeff Goldblum's character and make him the Brett Spiner character. He's working undercover secretly. He's known all along they were coming. He contacts the president. The president takes him to Area 51, and then Brent Spiner gets him the ship. Because that would make more sense, right? Because mm-hmm. he would actually have a way of stopping the aliens because, you know, he's spent 60 or 50, 40 years doing this. So I feel like you got to condense this, but I think that's the whole thing is Roland Emmerich likes his globe trotting, He likes his big scale. He likes this is a far reaching movie, so it feels like it's important, but it's just stupid. I think that brings us because we could talk for hours about Independence Day just because there's so much to break apart and dig in. Maybe one day we'll watch it and talk about it as we see it. But like, Corey, how would you fix independence that you're given independence day you gotta do some rewrites you can recast do whatever what do you chop what do you fix how do you how do you try to take what's there and make it better you know i don't know off the top of my head i'll say that one of the things that you keep in this movie that works really well is the destruction aspect right this pre-9-11 disaster movie miniature destruction that Roland Emmerich like liked to do a lot of and did successfully very few times, which is like (laughs) the white house destruction, like all the big cities getting basically fucking nuked by these alien vessels that has to stay. That does create some stakes. Time's up. That's the signal. Go, 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 go. Let's go freaking get here. Mother Nature just pissed her pants soon. It's, it's basically everything else in this movie around it that I don't think is something you necessarily need to keep although there is a scene that i do like and uh maybe we'll say this one's a keeper too when they're actually in area 51 and the alien that's being operated on like comes back to life mm-hmm. and it kills a room full of scientists it's very like spider-man 2 right with i thought the octopus. same exact yeah. thing yeah <laughs> the power of the sun <laughs> no i like, like the- that scene it's like a good horror scene but nothing else matches that in the rest of the film unfortunately that's the thing too right like because that makes the aliens individually scary Mm -hmm. and maybe have something like that a little bit earlier on maybe like as the opener or something because even the opening of this movie is like boring and i I hate to say that and i'm surprised that you know 10 year old me was as interested in this movie as i was because so much of it is just like boring with like the relationships that are largely unimportant to the story, right? Like Vivica A. Fox and <sighs> Jeff Goldblum's relationship to his ex-wife. Like these things can be removed. They they largely don't yeah. matter. But keep some of the scary elements, keep some of the big uh, like showtime action elements with the miniatures. The spectacle has to stay. Yeah. 
No, I like that. Um, I kind of, with me, since this is what I picked, it's kind of my dog, I'll do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I agree. You, you keep all the destruction, 100%. But what I would do is I'm just going to just start cutting and chopping this thing down. Like, because you could literally cut Vivica A. Fox's character and Will Smith completely out. Lose nothing from this film. Racist. I'd cut them out. I would cut Jeff Goldblum's dad. I would cut. Racist. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally cutting an hour out of this film. Um, and I would change Jeff Goldblum from being a anchor, like, working on satellites for a news company to he was part of the Roswell research, but he was too, you know, out there. So he's basically under an NDA, under guard at his home, under house arrest, and he's just out there, and he knows about these aliens, and he's been thinking about this. So it makes more sense that he's familiar with their shit when it comes time. And we focus, we stay with the president, and we're dealing, so it has this big scale because it's from the view of the United States president. And we stick with Bill Pullman, and we still keep the speech. We still keep. I would even keep Randy Quaid because I think that's a fun way to beat the aliens, where it's this crazy, fucking, probed American being like, "I'm back," and just. <laughs> that's kind of a good moment. <laughs> I and as stupid as it is that we have a bunch of Vietnam vets that are just drunk and like, "Oh yeah, I can, I can fly it," even though. <laughs> I, they highly overestimate the general po- just because you have a pilot's license doesn't mean you can just hop into F eighteen and yeah. be like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, any any uh, piloting experience will do. Uh, and is there anyone here? Is it better than yeah. sticks on a plane when uh, Keenan Thompson has done uh, video game simulators and he can land a plane? <laughs> oh, because he played Top Gun on yeah. NES. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I want to really quick just like zoom in on this moment with Randy Quaid. First of all, it's really funny that he says, I can fly. And then he says, I'm pilot. Yep. (laughs) That's really funny. And anyone who can fly a plane would be useful. I'm fly. I'm pilot. But also. Randy Quaid makes a little side note to the people there. He says, you know, ever since I was abducted by aliens 20 years ago or however long ago, uh, I've been wanting to get revenge on these guys. So I'm on board with this mission. And everyone looks at each other like, this guy's fucking crazy. He thinks he was abducted by... <laughs> Motherfucker, there's aliens literally <laughs> attacking the... aliens. Maybe it's time to believe this guy, you know? So, like, <laughs> But was he abducted by these aliens specifically? What could these... Battle-hardened aliens learn from Randy fucking Quaid. Out, the effects of alcoholism on the brain. <laughs> yeah. You're all a sober society now because of conducting research on Randy Quaid's ass. Yeah, they they, they uh, no longer have their form of synthahol after <laughs> studying him. And they're drinking prune juice from now on. Oh, man. Okay, um, <sighs> I have two questions. Oh, I'd cut Randy Quaid's family. What's the fucking point of those people? They do nothing. Why are they his for that for the ending Armageddon style payoff when they say your dad was the bravest man I ever knew or whatever? Oh my god, they didn't even know Randy Quaid. <laughs> Maybe he was drunk and accidentally ran into the laser. <laughs> you didn't even believe him that he was abducted by aliens. I, you know, my favorite like this is the thing I noticed this time for the first time is that Randy Quaid Randy Quaid got arrested. For dumping pa- pamphlets on City Hall once. I, I, didn't, I don't think I've ever noticed that before, but then when they get him out of the jail, it's like, 
Oh, that's why he was arrested. I, I don't know why I never pay attention because it's Independence Day. But I was just like, oh, that's hilarious. So he somehow made pamphlets in 24 hours or when he created, could figure that out and then dump them all over City Hall. It's hilarious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This movie. I have two questions. Uh, Shane, yeah. you pick which one you want me to ask. My first question is, which Independence Day character do you think the, the other people in this podcast are? Or my other question would be, what would you do during this alien invasion? Like, like, how would you mm. handle it? Which one would you want me to do? And I'll set you up for it. I can do both. Okay. Who do I think everyone is in this podcast? Um, I would say that, Oof, I'm torn between me being Randy Quaid or Will Smith because Will Smith in that, not because I think I'm cool, but that I'm acting wildly inappropriate for the scenario that I'm in. Um, Or Randy Quaid because I'm just saying crazy shit constantly. (laughs) They're like, oh, that's the drunk guy. Um, I'm going to say Corey's Jeff Goldblum. Hell yeah. Because... He's the most prepared <laughs> and is making sense. And um, yeah, I'm going to go with that. And then Ronnie is is Bill Pullman because he's doing his best. And everyone's just saying, you suck. <laughs> good. good speeches, though. Hell of a speech. Honestly, that's, that's, that speech still works for me. It's, it's still kind of an all-timer. You know, top 10 movie speeches, whatever. That's got to be up there. For sure. He delivers it. It's a simple speech. But he delivers it perfectly. It makes sense. The score swells perfectly. It's just, it's a good, iconic speech. Activate, um, activate the sparklers now. What was the other one? How would I handle the alien invasion? What would you be doing during the alien invasion? Oh, what would I be doing? Um, It looked pretty fun being in the desert with all the British people. <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know... I, I don't know if I just saw the White House get completely nuked and then all our F-18s flew and they couldn't do anything except hit a shield. It'd probably be under the same thing as my zombie apocalypse thing where I'm just going to get a samurai sword and disappear into the the wilderness. (laughs) Just come what may. (laughs) Samurai Jack this shit. Yeah, exactly. The Samurai Jack. <laughs> Either I'll help or I'll die. You know, just <laughs> see what happens. Excellent. What about you, Corey? Who would you, um, who do you think the uh, people in this podcast would be best personified as a character? And then what do you think you'd be doing during an alien invasion? Well, you know, I. I can't give a better answer on the uh, characters than Shane did. I mean, he's got them <laughs> spot on, I think. <laughs> but what I would be doing if there was like an alien invasion, right? It depends on the type of alien invasion. People be acting a fool in Arrival when there's like aliens that show up. <laughs> so I don't think I'd be participating in that because everything seems on the level during that movie. But we'll talk about that movie later. This movie, things are not on the fucking level. The aliens are clearly evil, right? <laughs> the aliens are blowing shit up. They're just like purely 100% violence, which I don't really understand because I feel like a, a superior uh, intelligent race like from another planet that has conquered like space travel 
I don't think they would just show up and just want to kill everything. That's like smooth brain shit, you know? Like, yeah. So, but you're thinking of more Battlefield Earth vibes. Yeah. Do you want? But that's lunch? what. That's what they're about in this movie, and that's fine, I guess. So, if they were doing this, honestly, like in reality, I would have one response, and that would be to drink a lot. <laughs> that's all I would be doing. I would just be drinking. And I know it's kind of sad to say that, but it's, it's true. <laughs> What's the fucking point, man? We're all doomed. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Okay. Um, also, okay. real quick, yeah. quick side note for Independence Day. I just think it's hilarious that it they, it's played like the whole world is just waiting for America to come up with a plan. <laughs> well, it brings us into the next one where the problem is the whole world doesn't follow America's lead. <laughs> It's the Americans. Yeah. They want to start an offensive. About bloody time. <laughs> About time someone does something. What have we been doing? Dipping tea and eating crumpets. Um, really quickly in my characters, I think Hobo Dan would be Randy Quaid. I don't know how the fuck you missed that up there. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Well, he's dead, so. He's dead, though. I got him already. <laughs> uh, Corey's actually Brent Spiner. He would definitely fuck those aliens. Like, come on. Come here, cool. boy. <laughs> <laughs> um... I would be Vivica A. Fox because I'm stripping for the money for my kids. That's that's the most honest thing I can think of. And then Shane would still be Will Smith. He'd be my my lover, and you would be just like talking shit. I'd give you a shitty ass wedding ring. Yep, you give me a dolphin <laughs> wedding ring, or probably free willing wedding ring, and you'd be like talking wise and be like, "Oh yeah, I can. I, I confidently can do all this shit." <laughs> that's totally you. We didn't even talk about his friend, which is like Harry Connick what, Jr., who's also what are you in doing here Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. He plays Dean in the Iron Giant. Uh, if only like, we were covering the Iron Giant, too. If only we were. <laughs> we, it's not like we were supposed to, and then some homeless person got uh, butt-abducted by the aliens. Um, <laughs> Classic butt-abduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shane, anything else to add to Independence Day? Keep it in your memories. Don't, don't revisit it. It's like a relationship. Just remember the good times. Fuck that. You're, you're all going to watch it in two days. We're recording this on the 2nd of July. You're all going to be <laughs> fucking watching it, eating your hot dogs. Well, remember, this is our Independence Day. <laughs> well, you, I do think that is a great place to keep this movie. Keep it in your brain and just lock it away. It's just lock it deep and let, let the good memories leak out. <laughs> I say keep watching it so that Roland Emmerich would be like, I made one movie that people care about and that everyone forgot about the day after tomorrow and... 10,000 BC and White House Down and uh, 2001 Space Oddity. Oddity the remade. What's that one called? That, that? Space Oddity. Yeah, Space Oddity. <laughs> God-awful Godzilla movie he made. Check out our podcast on some Godzilla. What's the... Um... That's another one that just keep that locked away. Just keep it deep in the... the... Oh, I wish Jean Renault was in this. He should have been the scientist. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, you go to this cafe? Speaking of foreigners, do you want to go to Arrival first, or do you want to go into Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah, let's... Are you eating on the goddamn podcast? I'm not editing this. I'm I don't starving. Care. I don't care. I'm not editing it anymore. I quit. Okay. I'll wait for Shane to Listen to swallow. any podcast where someone eats and someone calls them out. The person always says, I'm hungry. <laughs> right? That's, like, That's think, always their response. I think our first like 10 podcasts is just me yelling at Shane saying, oh, wait, is that a, do I hear a fucking fork and a knife? <laughs> you hear like a I'm bag of like chips? A, a full meal. <laughs> Oatmeal, yeah. 
I'm eating my uh, Ooh, Maui onion. <laughs> I'm eating my um my overnight grains or oats or whatever you fucking call them, you loser. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's head to our next movie, Arrival. Ronnie, you chose this film. What the fuck is it? There are days that define your story beyond your life, <laughs> like the day they arrived. Objects measure at least. I'm Colonel G.T. Weber from the Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they're calling the UFO. I was being carted off in the medevac. Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, a door opens up. That's where we go in. It's time. Yeah, that just happened. What happens now? Hello, I chose Arrival, 2000, sorry, 2016, Denny Villeneuve film. I love this film, but I wrote a snarky synopsis for all of you because I'm still an asshole. So, Arrival. It's a sad, reflective linguistics professor is asked to help communicate with aliens when 12 spacecrafts land on planet Panic. Um, <laughs> Saw Guerrera bugs the assistant from Talladega Nights to come work for freedom and try to translate nice. with the aliens. <laughs> I did that just for you, Corey. Deception. Um, <laughs> for the dream, or what does he say for the Empire? What was it for? What is he yelling? Uh, before oh. he dies. Yeah. The Jedi. No, he's, he says for the for the cause. I don't fuck it. I don't care. Um, Hawkeye is for the he- rebellion. <laughs> Hawkeye is here to play um, Ian Malcolm, and to be sure and be the smart ass scientist and provide his seed for the ending to happen. Spoilers. Uh, they approach the 2001 Space Odyssey monolith, go through all the basic COVID protocols, and figure out that all these aliens give the largest and best hand jobs in all of the galaxy. Uh, communicating <laughs> via Rorschach symbols and an Etch-a-Sketch, Lois Lane has to convince Uncle Sam and China um, who want to go <laughs> nuclear 
like their bratty fucking school children how learning works. Um, while, meanwhile, Fox News Freddy decides to go Oklahoma City bomber on the squid billies because prejudice and China decides to do the same and the most China thing ever and threaten war against them. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel Land goes all traitor mode, meets the aliens, and figures out she can travel through time to stop baby Hitler. In the end, we all learn to get along. We learn that Jeremy uh, Renner is an asshole and that the aliens are pro-life. That is... The movie Arrival. That's not the movie I saw. <laughs> <laughs> what movie did you see? You really took an amazing sci-fi movie and just really like spun it into this like <laughs> funny pop culture reference uh, word soup. <laughs> hey, I pride myself on my terrible synopses. But yeah, yeah, I all joking aside, I fucking love this movie. It's like one of my favorite movies of the past decade but um cory what are your thoughts on arrival we had a podcast at spoilers not too long ago on battlefield earth (laughs) right the uh hell yeah you know the l ron hubbard sci-fi novel turned into a movie starring john travolta famously bad and on that podcast i asked stevie who's like he's like a really intelligent guy i asked him what makes a good sci-fi movie? And he said, cinematography. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me for a long time because when I see a great sci-fi movie, oftentimes I start to notice how amazing the cinematography is because uh, to put into my own words, cinematography is a vibe. And this movie has such an amazing vibe. The look of it is like, just a thing of beauty. So that's the first thing I want to say about this movie. Like long sweeping shots, setting up a really great atmosphere, and of course accompanied by a great score. I think sci-fi movies need that too. So the first thing I notice about this movie is the tone that's set by those technical aspects. For sure. I like that um like the the revelation is the the aliens are obviously here for, you know, uh you know, pacifists or kind of, you know, like for the greater good re- rationale, but the director like still keeps it ominous. It's, it still wants us to feel like at any moment they could just be like, fuck you. And just like smack us down. So like the whole purpose is to get along. So like, you obviously know that's not gonna be the thing, but like, I love all just like those, those long shots of like the hallway when they're going up the monolith and then like, Oh, then it gets longer. Cause it's like this otherworldly thing where, gravity flip-flops and it's just like this full feeling of like holy shit you're you feel like these characters who are nervous and then i think amy adams even says like like how do you feel about this that, that literally everyone is looking for us so the answer is just like this all this pressure is put upon him and then like the the music and the cinematography really just under like overscores this and really brings it across of like this is a serious thing it's not just some Silly, like this is like the biggest thing ever happened to humanity. It's 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 a really big moment of just like, oh, it's just been fabulous filmmaking. Yeah. So when I watched Arrival, it's first of all, it's a good movie. Here we go. It fucked my day up. It it ruined my day. I was so depressed, and like, it's just because like, when you you see someone that knows how to. Pro- you're you're seeing how humans and especially like the government will react 
when this is all said and done. Now, I think the response would be bigger. It wouldn't just be like a small little base camp where random army captain could just fuck everything up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that guy. that guy. It might be a little more controlled than that. But at the same time, all the pieces of Arrival are like, you're just sitting there like, oh, no. We're doomed. Like, because everything that we frame from a humor perspective is like a zero-cost game or <laughs> zero-sum game. Where, like, they're like, oh, they, they haven't done anything violent yet. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, they seem to be talking to us. For now. When we talk to the Native Americans. And you're, okay, well, this isn't 1860. I, I hope we've come further. You know, like, apparently not. already boring the shit out of me. Kill him! So, like, all that kind of messed me up, but when what Corey says about cinematography, it's absolutely true. When you think of best sci-fi, they're usually visually stunning. And this is Danny Villeneuve, right? Yeah. Yeah. Danny Villeneuve. Danny Villeneuve. His movies are always breathtaking, and especially so like when he comes in, it's that helicopter shot. They're coming into Montana, and those clouds are sweeping in. And you can tell him, like, man, I, I'm pretty sure that those clouds are natural. That's all just how that that valley looks, and they just put a spaceship in it. And it's it's pretty incredible how he did that because he films it in a way where you're like, is the spaceship, you know, making all this dramatic scenery happen, or is this just natural Montana, you know? But My adds... exact thoughts when watching that scene. Well said. Yeah, but the, like that's the whole point of it. It all feels otherworldly. <laughs> it's like literally the other world is coming to our planet and like infecting it with kind of like this weirdness. But once again, that also goes to the whole point of the movie, right? We're not so different. Like we're literally different, but we're not so different. Like there's parts of our own country or parts of our own world that still look otherworldly to us. Like, it doesn't even get into this, but like the whole idea of the ocean, the concept of like this things down there look otherworldly to us. It's that's the whole thing. It's a cycle, it's a circle, it all connects. We're all part of the circle of life. An- another point I like to make that Rival does well is I think another thing you have to add to a good sci-fi film, it has to be pretentious, but you can't feel that it's being pretentious because it's it's provoking serious thought. Like the kind of core message in this is like language. And like our, how language affects how you interact, how you develop. It's like the key to all consciousness in a way or the expression of consciousness. The key communications specifically. Yeah. And like, so that's kind of its theme or thesis. And that's a very high minded, like how they approach it. But they break it down very simply where you don't feel like they're insulting you. She is a little bit, but when she explains it, you're like, oh, yeah, like, what is what? Like, how do you coach an alien? And then you think about how would you interact with a human and, like, all these things. And, like, it's very heady and very upper level, but you don't feel like it's talking over your head. I think it's And you kind of put yourself in the position, I think, of the Luis character, Amy Adams, who is basically tasked with, figure out how to communicate with them. 
right? Because you can't help but think during this process, like, how would one communicate with an alien, right? Human language is one thing, but like, when you first hear the aliens, it's just like these guttural roars. Like, what do you do for that? And of course, she comes up with the brilliant idea of written language, which I probably wouldn't have thought of. But, yeah. you know, the movie kind of progresses us in the direction um, that your your brain would all would follow eventually. But it's like, I feel like I'm always one step behind them in this movie. And uh, it, it makes them obviously feel slightly smarter than me, but not too much smarter than me. Yeah. And in the beginning, they kind of like, they, I think it's a little bit simplified, but you have to because, like, she's the language expert, and then Jeremy Renner's like super scientist. I don't, he kind of does a lot chaos but, theory scientist, but like, you're welcome. I, I, the only, the only real like issue I kind of had was he wouldn't be like, oh, that's dumb. What are we going to teach him with crayons? Like, what about the Pythagorean theorem and the quadratic equation? And it, I think he'd be more open to anything i now obviously he'd be like oh yeah binary and all these things that we use in science you know maybe that's where we find it and she's like that's dumb like we're gonna do john walks but like this connects but to the in, ending though. in the middle they come together and they need both of them because he figures out things that the aliens are trying to communicate that she can't figure out and she helps him communicate to them so like it comes together but just his initial intro was a little like, okay, but I think he'd be more open. Like, we have giant aliens here. I think everyone would be a little more open to wacky ideas. But then again, we might, all, might just go the China route and just nuke them. But that, like, totally goes into the <laughs> ending, though. Like, I don't want to spoil the ending, but, like, there's a breakdown of communication of, like, purpose yes. and values and of, like, what does it mean to live and to live a good life. And that's why, like, when... Uh, when someone leaves, it's like, oh, that would make sense because his brain's differently. He operates scientifically and logically, and she operates in a more subtle kind of nature of like seeing the nuances. He doesn't see those at first. Maybe he could have learned that better in their one month together with the aliens, but like that's ties in, so it makes sense in the end. You're like, oh yeah, they wouldn't end up together. Well, she's more. I mean, you know, spoilers later, but she's more motherly. And how she's teaching, you know, because she's mm-hmm. taught a child. So she's she's kind of, that's how she's approaching the aliens. It's like you're commuting, you're teaching something to, to communicate with you. And you have to start from the most simplest way possible. It takes time. Yeah, but that's the um, whole point is that's, that's why yeah. we get into fights and arguments and wars and disagree. It's even like with marriage. So it's literally about marriage too. Like we fight because we can't communicate properly. It's just how the entire human no, race No, because is. she's wrong. It's because she's wrong. She's a woman. <laughs> We're not talking about your marriage, Shane. No. Or, or even, like, my favorite thing is, like, I don't know much about Chinese culture, but I like in this movie when they talk about how, like, the Chinese are teaching it, like, a board game. But then they're like, there's a problem with that right, because they're... someone has to lose that fucking game. It's, it's combative. I'm not saying all Chinese people are combative, but that's the whole point of, like, 
the approach to it. You said it. She's going like a teacher, like a mother, going bare basics. They're like, we want the answers now immediately. And if we don't get them immediately, we're going to start nuking them or send them smallpox blankets. Like, this is the reality that's going to happen here. Well, and I do like that the movie, everybody's communicating with these aliens. The, every country that has them has found a way to communicate with them in some way because they're getting things from them. Yeah. So they're not all going her route. Mm-hmm. Like the Chinese are being more transactional. They're playing chess with it. They're figuring it out. And like they're getting, but it, it spooks them quicker too. Um, other countries are saying what they're getting from the aliens. So like everyone's figured out a way to communicate and they're all getting different things, which kind of plays more into the, how you communicate leads to different outcomes and stuff like that. Or yeah, when it absolutely. breaks or like when it breaks down, that's when you get mm-hmm. the problem, right? Because in the beginning of it, they're all sharing the information. And then at one point China's like, fuck all of you. We're going dark. And then that's what like kind of upholds the whole chaos when you lose that. It's kind of scary to think about like if this actually happened and you can't help but think about it while watching the movie, like how different world powers would react. Right. And like, I think the impulse because of media, because of movies, maybe not like this one, but because of the last one we did, like Independence Day, <laughs> people might be like, oh, shit, they're going to blow up the White House. We got to kill them, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, but, um, I think it's a good it's a, it's a good fear, though. Like, like they don't talk about it a lot, but they do talk about like, oh, this cult kills themselves. Oh, there's looting. Oh, there's fires. Because imagine, well, we're not, the three of us are not Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. We're not intelligent enough to go. They're not going to send the three of us to go communicate (laughs) with the aliens. So we We just went through this. We're already here. (laughs) (laughs) So besides this made up scenario, we're stuck at home sitting there on our, our hands, you know, like going, what the fuck do I do? How can I go on living a normal life while I sit here for an entire month while they talk and you trust these people? Do you trust scientists? I don't know. But that's the whole kind of point. It's like, that's what's kind of cool. It's just like the average human being is like, I'm I'm not justifying why that, why a, Fox News Freddy goes and blows them up, but like the paranoia is going to kick in, man. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. That brings me to th- another complaint I have, and it's kind of a glaring one for me. Um, the captain, the 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 Fox News, Alex Jones captain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I, first of all. I only have minor experience with government organizations in crisis. <laughs> um, they would not have phones to their family. They would not be allowed to communicate at all with anyone. Like, no one would have a cell phone. No one would have a computer. Like, those guys would not be able to go to the phone bank and talk to their family. They would be on such lockdown and secrecy. So, like, him calling his wife and her being like, you need to fix this, figure it out, kill them all, because I'm scared. Like, that, I get the panic and them not knowing what to do, but I feel like he wouldn't have had that outside influence. He wouldn't be listening to Alex Jones, you know, Right, he's clearly, like, watching an Alex Jones video while this is going on, talking about how, like, they're here to kill us all. What's funny is, like, he's playing it out loud, too. And the Democrats are just going to make a deal with them. You watch. Exactly. (laughs) That's what's funny, though, is he's playing it out loud in, like, a tent, and everyone's hearing it. I'm like, like, why is no one telling them to turn it off? This is really funny. But look. This is when I was a kid from people that I knew that were involved in CIA trials at Berkeley. The Clockwork Elves, Joe. I heard about the Clockwork Elves when I was a little kid, and I decided I don't want to see them. 
because everybody sees them. Little goat creatures with little green hats and little green uniforms. They look just like gray aliens. Then they pull their mask off and they don't look quite like that anymore. They wear little gray masks so they don't get too scary. Because they look like little gremlins, little demons. Now, see, you'll probably play that and say, look how crazy you believe little gremlin demons. No, you do. You talked about it. You saw it. You believe it. You. I didn't take it. The Bible says don't be part of pharmakia because it gives you the evil spirits. Okay, I didn't used to believe that growing up. And then I learned the CIA is taking this to get interdimensional communications. You say you've had those interdimensional communications, Joe. I haven't had them. You have had the communications, but I'm the kook for saying that the owners of Time Life books in the 30s were taking DMT. Every night I go to sleep, it's like a thousand years. My waking life is not even one fraction of who I am. You're with us, Ron. What do you think? I read somewhere that their periods attract bears. The bears can smell the menstruation. Well, that's just great. You hear that, Ed? Bears. Now you're putting the whole station in jeopardy. It's really funny, but look, how else do you convey the panic? Like, how else would you convey panic in a, a fast enough way? Because it's not really a big plot point, but it does escalate to a point of, you know, adding more ominous and like, oh, some shit's going down. I, if, oh, go ahead, Corey. If there were aliens that showed up that were this sophisticated, there wouldn't be any, like, big-time celebration Independence Day ending. Like, they could kill us easily if they wanted to, and there's literally nothing we could do about it. So the idea, like, we got to strike first is just dumb. Like, yeah. there's... There's literally nothing we can do against them. Just face it. They don't even show like what kind of weaponry they have in this. But if they can make it to our planet and they have this kind of tech, like the few things we see, just like the ability to manipulate gravity the way they do, just you better be diplomatic. And that's the only way you're going to go. Yeah. You're, and if if they strike first, then I guess it's on. We'll see how we do. I like, totally But yeah, disagree. you would be like, we're not going to start it. I totally disagree, though. You You have to think about like you have... 7 billion people who are panicking. The 100 million who have access to information that's going on, they're going to start panicking and looting. you got to do something that's going to get there and not risking the death of all the people there. So I, I know logically you're going to lose this fight, but to me, human race is like, well, we're, we're going out swinging. We're not going to be, you know, put the, 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 like, like at the whim of these like squidbillies. Like, that's not going to happen. So you're like General Shang in this no, scenario? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm telling you in the logic of the film, I know it's stupid that people do that, but I can see why they panic and want to go the nuclear option. I get why they do it. It's the wrong approach, but I can see like that's the pressure. That's why I was so sad all day. I know. <laughs> but that's the point. That's why the movie is like, it's a, it's like a, you know, like a mirror universe of like, oh God, of like, oh, I don't like seeing myself like this. But then there's certain people who are willing to take those difficult, large leaps of faith and communicate with people. I think how I would have fixed the captain thing, because I like that, like, the splinter faction, like, takes, the, you know, into their own hands and, and uh, basically kills one of the aliens. Spoiler alert. Um, Not Abbott. No. Um, I, I would have done the CIA guy. Like, you know how they're, I would say they're getting more cryptic messages from the aliens that they're misinterpreting or could be misinterpreting. And he's like, oh shit, they're going to strike. Like, and she's like, no, 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 that doesn't what that means. And he's like, no, they're going to kill us. Like, 
because him leading a splinter faction makes more sense than random captain that just goes out there unauthorized. Like that's another thing is you, those trucks wouldn't just go out there unauthorized and people would be like, where are they? You know, it would be so controlled who gets in and out. That, right. Well, you've been in the military, so it. I'm sure you have like more insight on that. But you're right. It's kind of like, what the fuck are they doing over there? Like they look at him with binoculars. Like, no, someone get a security detail over there. See what they're up to. Yeah, and and if like it was him, like the CIA director or the agent or whatever, then there would be less eyes on why he's going. Or you know, I just think that could have been a little more clever. It's not like breaking. It's not like I go, this movie sucks. Boo, turn it off. Like you know, it just. I, that that kind of pulled me out a little bit but then like you know everything else after it brings you right back like the aliens really they're so next level too that death doesn't even care about them they're just like oh he's going through his death cycle like no because he, they're because because like they're they so know. next level yeah because like they know like life is not a it's not linear it's circular at least existence um uh, speaking of aliens design Corey, what would you how do you think about the heptapods design? Uh, brilliant. Uh, perfection, basically. Like, what this movie does that's really cool is it takes aliens, which, you know, obviously from another planet, another galaxy, who knows where they're from, maybe another fucking dimension as far as we perceive reality. Mm-hmm. They are very much alien, right? They're not like... Uh, and I love Star Trek, but they're not like Star Trek aliens where everyone is basically humanoid with very few exceptions. They're completely alien in like their biological form. Now, granted, they do resemble sea life in, <laughs> somewhat <laughs> in our planet. But I mean, that aside, they didn't make them like human-esque and they made them very much different. And like their biology is seemingly like something that we've like never encountered. Just like like with the way they hover and like how they communicate written language, like they excrete some of their biological fluid as like a a smoke or something like that, and they kind of like can suck it back into them. I think it's really clever to make them totally different. I think it was like Hawking or someone that said like if we did ever encounter alien life, they would be something that we would have never expected them to be like, and they would definitely not be uh, humanoid. Yeah. Yeah, I was even thinking, like, as you mentioned in the very end of the movie, when they leave, they don't, like, you know, upend and, like, fly into the atmosphere. They just dissipate. It's like a, it's so almost like, 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 like you said, it reminds us of, like, you know, like, cephalopods, kind of like, you know, octopuses and stuff like that. So it's like, they kind of just disappear away in, like, the ocean. It's like really kind of, it's it's like we, we, we understand it and can relate to it, but also we cannot relate to that because it, it's so otherworldly. There's a uh, a theory out there that octopuses or octopi aren't from Earth. That their like their DNA hitched a ride on a comet and landed in the ocean, and that's why octopuses are so different from everything else. I feel like Denny Villeneuve was smoking weed and heard that, and he went, "My God." Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that as well, and that kind of fits with this movie really well. I like mm-hmm. that idea too. That like there is a creature on this planet that um, isn't like we can't kind of trace the source to any like life before it. So maybe they are alien. Yeah, and I like too that our relationship with the alien is from it's technically their feet, I guess, 
like that's all we see for a long time because they're so obscured from their little tank that they're in. So you think that's kind of what the alien is. Like you see it kind of cuts off. You're like, that must be the face. Cause like it'll even zoom in like, and you're like, Oh, I can see its eyes almost like, or I can see, I can kind of see what that alien's feeling. And then when she gets to see it in its full form, you're like, Oh wow. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) And they're scary. And the moment leading up to the introduction of them is scary. You know, when I was watching it with my wife, she said, like, uh, how would you feel about approaching these aliens in this scenario? Like, if you were the Amy Adams character, and I said, I'd be terrified. Like, I don't know if I could go through with it, you know? I'd be absolutely shook. Yeah, and I think that's what elevates this movie, too, is the attention to the characters. Is like, we really get to feel how Amy Adams, in particular... It was about all this, like the pressure, like, you know, she doesn't want to go in and Forrest Whitaker has to basically say, you got this, just go. And then like the pressure they're under because they have to communicate every 18 hours and they have to basically do all the research before that point and then go back in and don't have time for a break. She starts imagining things, which ties into like the ending of like the vision she's getting is like she's learning their language. So she's learning the truth about all of it. So it's, and she doesn't know what's real or not. So it's really it's an excellent kind of way of like this character's cracking, but are they? Are they actually just kind of going to the next stage of evolution? And I like the, they all put it on her and it's all just a phone call away. <laughs> I love how simple <laughs> it is. It's, it's a, it's a lofty idea, but it's, it's all simplified to something in the very end of it. It's not like this. Oh no, it's a big battle with the, or you like all the actions not even on screen. The part where like the, the the three insurgents are attacking or trying to protect the bomb, like we don't even get to see that. It doesn't. Who fucking cares about the war? We just want to talk about the actual human connection. Yeah, when I first saw this movie, I didn't really even fully follow what was going on there. You know, it kind of clicked the second time I saw it because I saw this movie in theaters twice, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I liked it for that because that's not really what this movie is. It doesn't need all the the action. Like it's not no. that kind of sci-fi movie. It's a smart sci-fi movie, for lack of a better description. And that movie yeah, it's a doesn't and, and doesn't deserve to be in this podcast. I I picked it because I just like this movie. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about it because you guys is the your guys's picks are more related to alien invasion and action. I was like I was like fuck that. I'm gonna bring in one of my favorite movies. Have a chance to talk about it because I I love this movie so much. Both are we these... not allowed to get into spoilers? Oh, we can. I just want to give a little warning. Yeah, spoiler, everybody. Go. Well, this whole movie. The scientists are trying to communicate with the aliens to ask them one question. And that's the question we're trying to get answered as well from the audience, which is, what is your purpose here? Ronnie, I want to ask you, what did you think about the answer to that question? Uh, to not have abortions? Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> pro-life aliens. <laughs> yeah, the pro-life aliens. Um. What I, found, what I didn't notice it this time. Well, I noticed it this time. I noticed it before. It was like when the aliens like, we actually need your help 3,000 years from now. I was like, that's kind of interesting. So then like, we need to accelerate your evolution because you guys are not progressing fast enough, basically. <laughs> it's almost kind of like um, pres- kind of like pretentious aliens. You guys are slow as shit and do this. So like, I like the idea. If, if you break this down, it's convoluted. Why the fuck would they choose to go to 12 separate sites for nations that obviously don't fully get along? I get it. The whole purpose is we need to communicate. We need to unite. Because this, this big reality that your perception of time is not linear. It's circular. 
is so big that all of you need to be on the same fucking page so that you can take all your information that you've experienced in the past and in the future and use that for the betterment of, you know, the universe kind. So I love it. It's, it's like the hippy dippy peaceful Star Trek type of thing where it's like, we're not here to conquer. We're here to like communicate and expand, you know, their equivalency of like a universal Starfleet. Like we all need to like combine. So I like it. It's, it's convoluted nonsense, but I, I totally enjoy it. It is very Star Trek. Or they're just seeing which tribes will work with them, and then they're going to send the Independence Day aliens at the other ones. <laughs> when they come down, they're like, all right, we can work with these ones, and these ones are douches. <laughs> no, but it's it's hopeful, and I, I love it, because it's like, because yeah. I remember Shane texting me going, because Shane, you haven't seen this before, right? No, this is my first viewing. So you just texted me like throughout the entire day, going, "I'm just depressed about how, about how <laughs> humanity is up, man. <laughs> about how humanity is going to respond to when we actually meet." Well, like I could just picture Fox News being like, "Who chose Amy Adams to be the one to talk to him? Who? Oh, great, another liberal going into the spaceship to <laughs> right. spread their liberal agenda." Like, <laughs> you know, like how stupid the entire world would like. We would find issues in the dumbest things. Like, we'd be like. We're talking to aliens, and they'd be like, "Who said she could talk to aliens?" I don't think I don't want her ever talking for me. Like, like, it would very much be like that. Yeah, and it's just hurts my brain because I'm like, I don't know how you fix it. I was like, there's just so many of us, and there's so many points of break on the chain that it's very unhopeful. David, what makes you sad? War, poverty, cruelty, unnecessary violence. I understand human emotions, although I do not feel them myself. So you either get assaulted by the aliens or assaulted by the federal government for talking about the aliens. But this isn't a joke. It's interesting that that's like the depressing part to you, because Mm -hmm. I do think this movie is very somber, Mm -hmm. and it is, of course, meant to be with the flashbacks, which are actually flash forwards Mm -hmm. and like, you know, the score and the muted colors. But the thing that really like makes me sad about this movie is like the reveal, the revelation that the flashbacks that Amy Adams has been, Amy Adams has been having about her daughter who you think died at some point in the past that actually hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good reveal, but it's also like very sad the way it ends. Like, but it's she her. knows she has to go through this. No, but she didn't. Yes. But she didn't have to though, right? Because is is time is choices. Time isn't like you're forced to do it. She had a choice, and she and she chose. It's what makes me so hopeful is she chose. She even says in the beginning, life isn't about the beginning and the end. It's about all the things in the middle, and it's worth suffering for me, so that my daughter has a chance for. 12 years of a beautiful existence. I'm like, oh shit, that, that's going to bring well, me to and tears. And she has to do this so that the aliens have a place to stay in 3,000 years. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to crash on her couch. <laughs> right. That is kind of how I picture this. Is like these aliens show up and they're looking over the house and they're like, yeah, this is a shithole. We're going to have to clean this up before we have to stay here. <laughs> you call that a bay window? I'll show you a better bay window. Uh, just go ahead and give him a starter loan or something. We'll get this going here. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's 
I think it's like that bittersweetness of just existence, right? Right? Because I, I feel like if all of us could see our lives in a circular way and like, well, 20 years from now, shit, I want to get like ass cancer and it's going to really suck. It's probably going to end up <laughs> killing me. But does that mean I just want to like not exist anymore? No, because there's 20 years up to that point. So maybe I learned something like I can learn from the future and the past by enjoying my moments, fighting with my wife about refinancing our house or should we put in more fucking windows or they survive for the next you know winter or not who fucking cares because that's not the purpose of existing like it's for enjoying those moments for those hard california winters (laughs) (laughs) what's like it's like the very i think it's the very end quote of the movie when louise says to jeremy renner she says if you could see your whole life from start to finish would you change things and he says i don't know maybe i'd say what i feel more often Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And I love that quote. That hits me hard. It does. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, you said somber, right? It's like, it's, is it somber kind of thing? So I get why Shane's depressed and I get why like the, the director doesn't really have faith in most of humanity, but there's still like, (laughs) there's still that hope there. There's still people who care about communicating and surviving and not just wanting to destroy you know, I want to talk it out, even if it's risky to talk it out and have a conversation. So I fucking love it. So yeah, it's somber, but I feel like that kernel of hope is the whole purpose of humanity is we, we keep pushing forward, even when, God damn it. It's, <laughs> it seems pointless. It's like the, we suck. Maybe our kids won't. It's <laughs> <laughs> burnt down. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, Arrival. so last thing, signs. Back to signs again. This is like a way better version of signs. We're like, we're like, there's a twist in this movie, and it's not about the twist. This is why I think M. Night Shyamalan gets up his own ass of like, it's got to have a twist. Like, you know, it doesn't. The twist is just a little cherry on top of it. Because like, if you don't have Louise, like having the flashbacks about her daughter, I think it's still fine. I think this movie would work. I think it's more emotionally you know, connecting and, oh God, it's a kick in the fucking crotch when you figure out what's going on, but you don't need it. But it just adds the cherry on top of this movie of like pulling the rug underneath you. Well, I think it's better for it. Of course I would hate for it to be removed, but you know, I think in some cases more than other Shyamalan's movies really rely on that twist and without it, they are nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of a nothing burger without the twist. Before we jump into the uh, the last movie, is there any other like invasion movies you thought about bringing to the podcast, but you didn't, or they're kind of on that list of good alien movies you like? Hmm. Yes. You thought of a movie called Arrival, which we just talked about, <laughs> which made me think of a 1996 movie called The Arrival which comes to my brain anytime someone brings up the 2016 Arrival. (laughs) So many moons before Arrival, there was a Charlie Sheen vehicle called The Arrival, which I watched a lot as a kid. It's like this weird alien movie where Charlie Sheen is a scientist and he is like, he's kind of like picking up on satellite signals and he discovers that there is some foreign communication and he kind of investigates it and realizes that it's from these aliens, which are more like Independence Day aliens, but without the action. It's more about his discovery, and he invades their base, and he 
we get to see them and they're these horrible design CGI creatures. And of course they got the backwards knees and stuff. <laughs> it's not a great movie, but the names definitely, uh, make me think of each other and i almost picked it just for the name just so i could say you picked the rival i could, i picked the arrival that's so funny because <laughs> like that's how i saw that movie i didn't grow up with the arrival i took my grandpa to my wife and i took my grandpa to see arrival in theaters and he goes have you seen the arrival i'm like no what's that and he goes oh it's a really good charlie sheen movie and i was like okay so going from arrival to the arrival i was like oh grandpa you're so fucking wrong <laughs> <laughs> Okay, boomer. <laughs> like, it's, Shut it's up, about old the, man. It's not about the CGI. It's just the movie is just Charlie Sheen sweating. I think in Argentina. Oh my god, he is so sweaty. Time. He's so sweaty. Dude, he's Kobe. It's the sweatiest he's ever been. <laughs> he's, this is pre-AIDS, like sweaty too. Like, I'm, I'm guessing he was like sweaty after that too. But like, I don't know. I don't remember anything besides that movie. Besides, he fucks a girl, I think, and then like she's an alien, right? The aliens kill her with scorpions. Scorp- they put yeah. scorpions in her bed. There we go. Because of all the... the that's how they do it. The intergalactic <laughs> travel. They're like, scorpions? Yeah, yeah, scorpions. Of course, scorpions. How would they even know the scorpions are poisonous? Like, if you just showed up and grab a random bug. <laughs> like, are, are you questioning the integrity of the arrival? <laughs> I thought of two others, kind of, like, briefly. Like, I didn't really consider them. But one of them is a great movie. It's a... Wasted Potential classic called Galaxy Quest. Oh, I love mm, that movie. Mm-hmm. I know you guys like that movie a lot. It That's is really good. One. Classic Star Trek movie. Also a horrible piece of shit movie from 1996 that isn't Independence Day. Space Jam. Oh, I was I was so hoping you would bring that one. <laughs> that, but I'm really happy. That did come it. up in conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Danny was like That's another like lock and key in the back of your mind. Don't ever rewatch it. It sucks. So bad. I rewatched <laughs> it. Michael Michael before. Jordan saves us from the alien invasion not of the monsters. stars. Not that his acting he doesn't. Um yeah, when <laughs> Dan wanted to bring a child's movie into <laughs> into the podcast so he went through a bunch of different ones and space jam was thrown around um shane about you any well, other we could have all just picked kids movies one of them could have picked the uh, space jam sequel like shane could have picked space jam legacy or whatever it's called <laughs> couldn't finish it um shane what about you any other invasion movies that you thought about but you didn't bring in i went through a lot um most of them were dumb <laughs> so I just love dumb fight movies like battle los angeles was one it's a i when i watched it again it's a good hour and then you go oh fuck we have another hour (laughs) (laughs) and and it's just the same hour and you're like oh wow that was a lot so watch 40 minutes of battle la and then turn it off and you'll have a great experience (laughs) um battlefield earth came up in my head but i was like i kind of want to save that for its own i want i want to make that its own meal (laughs) When I when I sit down for that one, and then you brought it up, uh, but it did come through District Nine. That's yeah. one I kind of wish I would have done instead of Independence Day, <laughs> just because it's such a different take on it, where the aliens kind of get fucked over for yeah. visiting us. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It has a lot to say. Yeah, because that that always leads to me too, where I understand that aliens would be more advanced than us, but that doesn't mean that they're not bound to the laws of physics, like a Sabo round from a tank still is going to hurt aliens because it carries the physics of it Mm -hmm. through it. 
maybe their technology's better, but it's kind of like, yeah, when we fight, you know, Al-Qaeda, our technology's way better, but their bullets still hurt. We have way more systems and abilities to protect ourselves, but, like, in the end, a bullet hitting biomass works. So, like, I like when we can actually affect the aliens, because... I believe that we would. They may be far beyond our comprehension and ability to do things, but I think we could still hurt them. Yeah, here's a nerd argument. I guess we can go as far as we want to in this. Okay, so how do, like, shields work in science fiction? Like, if a ship has a shield, you know, protecting it, and eventually at some point, like, is it just the time? Is it time-operated, or is it, like, Oh, because it's taking so many hits, the battery runs out. Like, how, how do you guys think Star Trek or Star Wars shields operate? <laughs> the shields are the literal embodiment of plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Where they hold as long as they need to. <laughs> well, and in then Star Trek, it's like don't. a video game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a video game in that, like, they have a certain amount of, like, HP. Right, and certain <laughs> kinds of weapons like take down the HP of the shield until it's at zero. Okay. So, like that's like Star Trek type shields. Star Wars shields never really made sense to me because they never go into them. Yeah, and I'm like, but just using my as an amateur physicist, <laughs> shields to me make sense for energy weapons because you would disperse energy and light. But I don't see how anything but armor matters for kinetic weapons. Unless, like, the shield, like, melts kinetic objects. That's what I always thought, too, is, like, do, like, the rounds eventually melt the shields? Or they just run out of juice? Or, like, I think, like you said, the best, like, when the plot needs it to, it just goes, eh, we're done. (laughs) I think shields will forever remain the plot armor of choice for (laughs) sci-fi. Okay, before we go on to the last one, I wrote down, I was going to go 80s, was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's like mm-hmm. Spielberg schmaltz. Um, on the opposite end, I don't really like this movie, but I like the world is they live. Like the, oh, yeah. the John Carpenter movie. I don't really care for the movie that much, but I love just all the things that connect it in that world. I love like all the secrets behind. So I like a lot of things of they live, but I don't really love that movie. I think it's like, very dated and it's hard to kind of look through past some things, but it's a really great movie. Um, you guys ever I can't seen remember if war of the worlds was any good. Was that good with Tom Cruise? I have that for on a my few list. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a Spielberg schmaltzy update of an older movie that doesn't have any new tricks really besides good visual effects. Um, have you seen captive state? It's got John Goodman in it. It's from like 2016 where it's basically, the uh, I think the entire city of Chicago is a captive state to aliens, and it's and it's basically from the perspective of these two brothers. One's like a freedom fighter, and one's like this teenager who's just trying to survive. And then John Goodman's like a government official who's backstabbing people. It's it's not great, but it's interesting. Um, huh. So Goodman did two Alien movies in 2016. Yeah, Ten Cloverfield. I was Lane. about to say, is this? I thought I remember the Clover Lane one. That one's good, but it doesn't really have the aliens are kind of tacked on in the end. But that's a really cool like survival movie of like. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Under my pretentious umbrella, I love Vast of Night. It's a Amazon Prime one where it's I think it's in I'm not sure if it's Roswell or just New Mexico where it's like this small town, 
just gets these inklings that there's something weird going on. And then like this, um, this radio DJ and this girl get caught up in this whole, like there's aliens above us. What do we do? It's very small and it's like ominous and slow and boring. I love that movie. Or then last I one. I just picture that fucking movie. I picture a scene where it's like nighttime and there's no sound. You just hear crickets and the characters just stare at each other for 10 minutes. And then one goes, yeah. You've seen it. You've seen the movie. <laughs> and then the, the last, well, I have two more, but last one I want to mention because Shane hates it is Annihilation. I love Annihilation. It's Fuck like that cool, movie. It's a cool action movie from um, one of my favorite directors. I love Annihilation. I have yet to stay awake. Fuck you. Through that Fuck you. You're film. so wrong. You're so fucking wrong. Uh, come on, Every Shane. Time. Get the fuck out of here. Because it stars I women. Think, I it think stars it's cool women. That's why you hate idea. it. You hate women. But Natalie Portperson just doesn't entertain me. <laughs> and I I think the aliens are cool. I think the visuals are cool. It just takes too long for me, and I just can't make it through. I always wake up at the lighthouse with the goo monster looking at her. That you go, her. wait, is it her? And you go, what the fuck happened? <laughs> ah, get, get out you know i've always said that your ability to stay awake is not the movie's fault <laughs> it is not because it stars women <laughs> okay yeah shane I, what's going on man last one i, I, I also know. love under the skin that's a, a haunting miserable movie about is that the scarlet joe one yes and that's the one where the ah. aliens get fucked literally and then we gotta mention since dan's not here <laughs> the thing yeah, he was going to do the thing before he was going to do Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen one frame from Under the Skin. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, same. <laughs> that movie's so over fucking and good. over and over again. <laughs> movie's so fucking good, and it's undermined by Scarlett Johansson showing off her her nudity. Movie's so fucking good. Oh, wasn't that frame you weirdo? Yeah, is. <laughs> The other one. The, the part where the There's park ranger. There's another frame in there, I swear. The, the, park, the park ranger rapes her? Yeah, you love that frame, you sick fucks. I didn't even know there was rape in it, but now it makes sense I, that you would watch it, you weirdo. Now you get it. You understand now. I didn't know that either, but you're right, Shane. How accurately does that line up with Ronnie's tastes in film? God, it is a prerequisite for any film that Ronnie recommends that there is some sort of sexual assault. I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve, God damn it. <laughs> So, what do you want to do, Scott? I don't know. I was thinking I like animals. Maybe I'd be a vet. An evil vet? No. Maybe like work in a petting zoo. An evil petting zoo? You always do that! It's not my fault. <laughs> He's the Joker of the podcast. Yeah. I am. But Vast of Night has zero rape, so it's kind of boring. So, whatever. Ugh. Hey, speaking of rape, let's talk about our last film, Shane. Edge of Tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Corey, you chose Edge of Tomorrow. I'm so glad you did. Tell us about Edge of Tomorrow. I'm glad I chose this as well. So thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. And all these movies, really. It's been a lot of fun so far. 2014 is when Edge of Tomorrow came out. And this is a year that had some amazing movies. I'm going to tell you guys a few of them. Whiplash, Mm -hmm. Birdman, Mm -hmm. Nightcrawler, Gone Girl, John Wick, Snowpiercer, Interstellar, and even some great comic book movies, in my opinion. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy. 
And this one's probably the most divisive among the comic book movies of that year, but X-Men Days of Future Past. I fucking love that movie. movie I'm in on that. I loved going to movies in 2014, man. It was so much fun. I remember the hype for every movie and going to theaters to see them and just had a great time. This one I knew very, very little about, and I was so happy when I saw it. It was like so exciting. It has such a cool premise, and I think for the purposes of this podcast, it actually fits really nicely because it's kind of somewhere in between Independence Day and Arrival. (laughs) It's like that sweet spot right between. It takes the best of both and blends them damn near perfectly. It's pretty cool in that way. It's an action movie, and it also has like a cool sci-fi premise, and the premise is very easily said. What I am about to tell you sounds crazy, but you have to listen to me. Your very lives depend on it. This is not the end. You see, this isn't the first time. Now, we've had this conversation. What day is it? Judgment Day. You just came in with the fresh recruits. This is not the invasion will fail, along with every soldier you are sending. We lose everything. Come find me when you wake up. You do know what's happening to me. What happened to you happened to me. You hijacked their power. I need your help. With what exactly? Winning the war. We can do this. Just come here every day and I'll train you. No matter what I do, it's as far as you go. Why does it matter what happens to me? You're a weapon. Groundhog Day, but an action movie. <laughs> yep. That's that was like the joke when the trailer came out cuz I didn't see this in theaters. I watched it for the first time 3 days ago. And I remember everyone making fun of it like, "Oh, it's just this movie and this movie and this movie." So like I was part of the naysayers before I saw the movie. Well, I think that makes it a perfect elevator pitch, right? Mm -hmm. Because how are you going to explain this to a studio executive? You can say, well, you know, Groundhog Day? Imagine that, but in an action sci-fi movie starring Tom Cruise. Chap lips. (laughs) 
See the groundhog? I think it'll be an early spring. Didn't we do this yesterday? I don't know what you mean. February 2nd, Groundhog Day. yesterday tell me more yeah on the couch and this movie it i love it too because it lives in this weird space where i would argue it's one of tom cruise's best action films period like with all his mission impossibles and everything i feel like i could watch edge of tomorrow way more than i could watch mission impossible on repeat How not to include mission impossible too it holds its own place for me but I I could keep watching. <laughs> no one likes Edge that movie. tomorrow. <laughs> Shut up! It has banger hits. Um, but you, you, if Limp Biscuit would have done the soundtrack for Edge of Tomorrow, it would have been perfect. But uh, um, no, it's it's so good, and it didn't do very well for a movie of its class in how's release. And it's more of a marketing failure than it is anything else, because. I think I remember they changed the name. Did, wasn't it originally put out as Live, Die, Repeat? But then, like, they're like, wait, that kind of gives away the whole thing. And then they changed it just before it came out. I think it was a tagline, right, Corey? They did eventually make that a tagline, yeah. So yeah. It, there's a manga that this is based off, I believe, called All You Need Is Kill, which awesome. is a very, like, Japanese kind of title, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But they bring it to America. They got a adapt it into an American movie and give it a name. Live, die, repeat, I think is what they threw around at the beginning. And I think that's what it was starting to get known as until it was changed to Edge of Tomorrow, which became the official title. And then Live, Die, Repeat kind of became the tagline. But Live, Die, Repeat might be a little bit better of a name and only because like Edge of Tomorrow sounds very much like a any kind of sci-fi or genre 2000s movie or 2010s movie yeah. right it could be anything edge of tomorrow it's essentially a meaningless title yeah like now you could probably like give it a lot of thought and make it make sense for any movie i think including this one but really not the best title i always got this one confused because i didn't see either of them was this one with oblivion the, the tom cruise sci-fi yes. movie that came out like the year before this one or same year maybe did yeah. you see this movie just for this podcast, Ronnie, Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. Okay. So I think I texted, I texted you, Corey. Like, I allegedly have the Netflix DVD of Edge of Tomorrow somewhere in my <laughs> possession. I have had the Netflix, allegedly had the Netflix DVD <laughs> in my possession for at least, I don't know, since 2015. And I have never allegedly watched this movie until three days ago. And I didn't even watch it on the DVD. Allegedly, I watched it on streaming. I was about to say, the only way to know it's true is it's completely scratched. So it keeps freezing or skipping. 
<laughs> as you watch it. <laughs> so I, it has literally always been on my literal list, staring at me in the face. And I'm just not an action guy. My wife is definitely not an action guy or gal or whatever she identifies as. But point being mm-hmm. is, I just put it off and then Corey made me watch it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But want to tell us what the synopsis is, though, before we get too carried away? Yes, it's really cool, I think. So this movie, which came out in 2014, I believe takes place in 2020, actually. So it's a different kind of 2020 dystopia. But (laughs) we have aliens that have invaded Earth. And when this movie starts, we've kind of been at war with them. We don't know a whole lot about them other than what we get in newscasts. And that's they're not here to negotiate. They're not here to be our friends. They are attacking us and we are defending ourselves. And a lot of the wars taking place in Europe with them, we got it's more ground battles. Like they landed here and they're attacking us on the ground, on Earth. Tom Cruise is our lead in this movie. He plays Major Cage and he's kind of like a military PR figure. He does interviews and he kind of like basically gets the whole world on board with the idea that we need to fight them. We're doing well. And he's introducing new technology that was developed seemingly specifically to fight the aliens. It's basically these really fucking badass mech suits, which look amazing. They look really cool. This is the kind of thing that I think existed in the book version of Starship Troopers, which they didn't have the budget to introduce into the movie. But these mech suits have a lot of different abilities that we start to see throughout the movie. But Tom Cruise basically talks to a general, and the general says, I need you to sell this war to people. And Tom Cruise says, sure, I'll do anything you need. And he says, great, I need you to go and be on the front lines tomorrow (laughs) at Operation Downfall, which is essentially like their version of, I don't know, the Battle of Normandy, Operation Overlord. And Tom Cruise is not very happy about this. (laughs) Again, he's a PR figure, so he is not used to fighting. He's a guy that goes on the news and speaks on behalf of the military. And now he has to go and actually fight with a camera crew, I guess, to kind of show like, look, this is me in battle. This is how great we're doing. And uh, he doesn't want to do that. So he tries to blackmail a general. It doesn't go well for him. So he loses his rank <laughs> and he is sent down to basically uh, to battle with the grunts of the military to be on the front lines. And that in itself is kind of a cool premise, right? Because he's this guy that basically has no combat experience, even though he's like a high rank in the military. He's really out of his element, and he's with like all these like rough Marines that are basically like sci-fi Marines in mech suits. So we get to see pretty early on like what it's like at this battle facing off against these aliens. And he's fumbling his way through. He gets like a lucky kill, but is pretty much instantly killed right after that by one of the aliens but it's a bit of a unique situation because the alien that dies transfers his blood i know it's kind of a weird sci-fi mechanic onto tom cruise and then that's where the real movie starts tom cruise wakes up the next day where he started the previous day and he realizes after a couple attempts that he's reliving the same day over and over and for a while he doesn't know why but that's really the basis of this movie he's this guy that is basically the lead action hero of this movie but is an incapable man in terms of like military (laughs) prowess in terms of combat and he has to figure out essentially how to win this war in this one day that he keeps repeating i love that they went that route because you think tom cruise you think he's gonna be a badass and like they totally could have done like 
he's the hero of Verdun and da 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 and and then he meets the alien and then you skip all the training stuff because he's already a badass but like it allows him to have such a better arc that he's like this slimy coward that now holds the key to saving the earth and he has to become a hero and he even tries and to that's give the it cool part he even tries to like say can i give you my blood instead <laughs> yeah well like and even towards the end he doesn't really become like that classic hero he still is kind of cowardly in a way he just accepts what he has to do which is the most heroic thing he doesn't like change he doesn't get more jacked he doesn't like he just accepts his responsibility because he'll still do like slimy things and stuff like that but he changes within the character that makes sense and it's very good and well written um i just i love this i watched it with my i made my wife watch it like a couple days before we even decided this podcast and then when Corey chose it i was like fuck yeah i already watched it we're good to go <laughs> but uh you it's brought- such a great premise for this kind of movie right for this like action movie someone that is not trained they have to relive this huge battle every day so he's basically memorizing like every step he has to take to win and it's a really great process to see him do that and eventually he does start training which is cool because he can remember all his training because he remembers the day before Mm -hmm. and it seems like it's going on for a long time like in my mind i like to think it's like years that he's doing this because he has like every step down like perfected but even then like mistakes get made and he has to go back yeah. And we get Emily Blunt as our action heroine who previously had this power. So she's kind of taken him under his wing. And uh, I think that dynamic works really well as well. I kind of like that yeah. they're both almost like frauds. Like like they're like they're not frauds because they, they obviously put the work in to memorize and save people. But like they're – it's been like over-exaggerated of who they are because no one really understands. So it's, it's kind of a cool premise that like you said, Shane, like – the hero is heroic, but in a different way. It's not because they're the most talented; it's because they're the most trained to do it. So it's it's, it's a really cool like premise that would take. No, no, not a, it's a really cool character kind of development. How like I could see this being generic action hero, but no, it really works well with the characters and how they change. I even like, like I'm jumping ahead too far, but the part where like it goes full like fifty first dates. Where basically Tom Cruise is like, I'm in love with someone who doesn't know I exist. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I look at that's it- an interesting dynamic as well. I think because he has to spend every day with Emily Blunt's character Rita, and I was kind of feeling bad for him because he's spending every day with her for like months or a year or maybe even years, and to her, every time it's the first day she's dealt with him. So like, it's got to be really heartbreaking for him watching her die. And like getting very attached to her, and she has no idea who he is. Oh, like it's that's like a sad element of this movie. I think they just took Fifty First Dates and turned it into an action film. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> like that was the joke though in the trailer was it's it's an amalgamation of a bunch of movies, but it hundred percent works. Like I I really I'm trying to like think of things I don't like about this movie, but it's like pretty great like just action science fiction thing with the cool premise but i think what elevates it is that the character arc I and mean, i think the only thing i don't like is tom cruise i think tom cruise is kind of one note 
But I like his character a lot, and I think he just fills the shoes just fine. Objection. (laughs) Tom Cruise is fine and serviceable when he's like you know Ethan Hunt. He's just like I'm actually a man with no feelings. But I I wanted to get a little bit more of that scene when because Emily Blunt outacts the shit out of him when like when they're having that conversation in the barn. Like uh, I wish someone else wasn't Tom Cruise doing this, but I think he does the I'm a pussy like role really well. Surprisingly, it's it's almost like Tom Cruise is like stepping down from his prestige as Tom Cruise and being like, I'm actually a coward and I'm going to do everything cowardly to get out of this. So I really like right. the first. It's almost it. crazy that he was willing to do that. Yeah. Right. Cause you wouldn't think that Tom Cruise would be willing to do that, but I think it speaks a lot to him as an actor that he was. Yeah. It gives me a glimpse of the old Tom Cruise, the, you know, every year nominated for an Academy award, Tom Cruise, where you forget how good an actor he is because he's just found his niche that makes him happy. Kind of like yeah. the, what big actors just do now. They don't really challenge themselves. But like back when he was, when he was doing Magnolia, when he was doing, yes. um, you know, a few, a few good men, interviews with a vampire. Like he, he, he's a very good actor. He can do a lot. He's just kind of picked what he likes now, which is jumping motorcycles. And, and that's what being, he does. Being the savior of cinema, roll my eyes. Yeah, saving cinema. <laughs> <laughs> At least action cinema. Um, but but like if you, Pappy put it to me in this perspective once on a, the topic of the Fast and Furious, actually. But he said <laughs> that, you know, there's less action superstars in the world than there are NFL quarterbacks. So these guys like really want to protect their brand usually. And that's true for Fast and Furious in a different way. But Tom Cruise here, obviously he does become a big time action hero, but that's not where he starts. He starts, like you said, as a as a coward. And uh, I do love that. Well, I would, sorry, this is off topic, but you mentioned it. I would say like, we don't have action heroes anymore. We have superheroes now. Like, yeah, like, he's like, a very like, human hero. Like no, but yeah, yeah. Well, he is like he's like, this role is traditional, like action. No, no, okay, sorry, it's not like he becomes a traditional action hero, right? Like he has to pull himself by the bootstraps and learn from it. But like nowadays, we don't have action heroes because we've morphed into comic books. So you don't have Schwarzenegger's and Stallones anymore, because Chris Pine and Chris Evans are just so tied into the Marvel universe. Like those are our action heroes now. Hmm. Interesting perspective. Right, I mean, we topic. still got the rock swimming around out there somewhere. He's an anomaly. He's he's a fucking great white shark. Like he's he's the anomaly of like he can do anything and it's gonna make pretty decent money. He's the anomaly. But you won't like it for some reason. You're just like <laughs> yeah. I don't get it because I you, he's not white. Is that you see a bad movie with him and you're like, I like him. This movie sucks. Like <laughs> I well, he's weird. The Schwarzenegger it's movies that charismatic. suck ass too, though. You watch your mouth. <laughs> Stallone's movies that suck ass too, but Sly Stallone makes me giggle. I'll still, I probably won't, but I might rewatch a Rocky one day. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> a Rocky a for a this, lifetime. There's a point in this movie I want to talk about too, because it's the thing I remember the most about the movie, and it's uh, it's kind of like the thing I think about first when I remember certain scenes, and it's kind of midpoint in the movie, a little bit beyond midpoint where Tom Cruise has been working with Emily Blunt and they've been kind of like retrying a certain amount of steps over and over. And he realizes like this sequence of events 
which they've probably done for months, it just isn't working, mm-hmm. and she always dies at a certain point. And it's scenes. almost like he gives up at that point. He's, like, tired of this shit. And he goes back to fight Solo, and it's when he's preparing to fight Solo, and he's, like, you know, doing that scene that he repeats over and over where he's, like, strapping into his mech suit, and the guy's, like, getting him in, <laughs> and the guy's like, where's your helmet? And he says, I don't use one. It's a distraction. Like, his face in that scene and the battle that ensues right after, it's some of the best nonverbal acting of Tom Cruise, I feel. Like, if you just look into his eyes, it's like the most fed-up disposition Tom Cruise has ever given in a movie. (laughs) I do like it, because I kind of view this whole movie from the lens of, like, a video gamer. and Because it is very video game-y in that, like... I picture like if you played like Dark Souls or any of those games where basically the only way to beat it is you just have to keep doing the same thing over and over and learning the pattern and how exhausting that is because no matter no matter if you know the pattern you can still fuck it up and like oh, yeah. <laughs> to know that one fuck up even though you knew what to do restarts the whole thing over again <laughs> it would just break you yeah. And then oh, yeah. compound that now with the stakes that are involved, which as a human, no matter if even it, if I did the same thing for a year, even if I knew it was the fate of the world that rested on it, you're going to build a callus to that and just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it would wear you your mind down and then compound it with he's falling in love with Emily Blunt and what breaks him is he can't keep watching her die which she was dealing with the same thing too True. and which leads to that bar scene where he's like no matter if you go left right straight up down like you don't make it and she's like well that's okay do we win and he doesn't care if they win he wants a specific ending right I mean, how are you going to spend that much time with someone and not want that? It's totally understandable. Yeah. I wrote that down. I wrote down the best video game movie ever. It's not based on a video game. Because, like, Mm -hmm. I just, like, always picture the few times I do play video games. It's like, oh, I got past that part. And then I immediately die right afterwards. It's like the part when he's on the beach and, like, the montage is happening where he saves the fat guy who's naked underneath his mech suit. And he immediately is, like, punished for trying to do something good. So like yep. I just I just a hundred percent got like this is like the most frustrating video game ever I can I I, I this, this movie's fantastic in almost every regard of it oh and it's question. like and the action scenes are oh, incredible yeah. at times mm-hmm. like when Tom Cruise gets good and he's like making short work of the aliens on the battlefield like I love that shit when he like is um he's like running around this like pit and he's like running around like the ring of it right like the circumference of it and he's just like wiping out all the aliens and his like drill sergeant is like blown away by seeing him (laughs) do so well and when he starts to really understand how to use the mech suit because at first he's just using like the basic gun Mm -hmm. but when he like figures out how to use all the gadgets in it and he's just taking these motherfuckers out it looks so good and the mech suits look pretty fucking fantastic yeah, this this does a good um, future equipment where everything is obviously something we don't have or are capable of having now, but it looks close enough to something we could have. Yes. Like, especially well if our said. back was against the wall really fast and we had to just, like, pool everyone's resources together for humanity, like, what kind of shit we'd bust out 
<laughs> be like, you know what? It's a prototype, but we have it. <laughs> like, it's exactly what I was thinking too. Was like, if you put all the intelligent minds and all the the huge like weaponry companies together, what would you get? Super suit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, like just the fact that we have helicopters that are invisible to radar, and we didn't know that until the Bin Laden raid, and we've had it since Reagan. And we, no one knew about this helicopter. Like, uh, so there's secretly, I guess, who knows what's out, out there. there. It's the secretly super suit that they, they're using to, to combat Ukrainians. Well, DARPA does have suits. They just can kill the user right now. <laughs> 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 like, if the power fails, you could die in it. <laughs> here's a personal oh, question. <laughs> but a, they do exist. <laughs> here's a personal question. Sorry for Shane. This is a uh, it's one of those hive mind movies. You've told me on the podcast before. Hive mind is like your least favorite <sighs> plot device that any alien movie does. What are your thoughts on this hive mind in this movie? Do you forgive it or not? The hive mind drives me crazy, but like that's just because I see it so much. Independence Day was actually a tad refreshing because it's not truly hive mind. It's they blow up the mothership and that makes the other ships vulnerable. Not that they don't function independently. I'm like, okay, that's better, dumb. But I get it from a writing standpoint. When you have this huge thing, you you don't want to go into, now we got to like kill all these aliens because each one is super dangerous alone. So like it takes an army to just kill three, (laughs) you know? So like you kind of have to in this sense. And then... They do a good enough job of being like, well, it's the mastermind and whatever. I'm just sick of hive mind. It's lazy. It's constant. But I don't have a better answer for it, especially in this scenario, because you're not going to add another hour to this film of mop up. You know what I mean? Like, the best you could do is like Starship Troopers, where it's like, the fight continues. We'll join today. Yeah. <laughs> We can take it to them now. <laughs> like, that's all I got for that. But I, it, it works for this, especially since the aliens are kind of a side note. This is about Tom Cruise learning how to, or Save trying to cinema. make the future into what he wants because he's been given this power now. Mm-hmm. And the movie does a perfect job at, at the right moment cutting it out from under him. Like, it introduces how that can happen early on, but you're like, ah, oh, you know, just kill yourself. And then they do a good job at how it gets t- the power gets taken away from him. Now we get into territory where I have some complaints. One of them is a little bit earlier, and that's, you know, when he's training, he's learning things and he's remembering them, which makes sense. But one aspect that has always stuck with me is that he wouldn't maintain the same fitness level. Yes. Right? Yes. So if you're slightly out of shape, you're still going to be slightly out yeah, of shape. Yeah, that's all you got. You're working with what you got, bud. <laughs> right. What about muscle so memory? It's a, Would that work too or no? I don't know What I'm saying is brain. he'll still get tired quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's like I'm doing push-ups every day to get better. Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 it's very true. What you got is what you're going in with. So, <laughs> The other thing is that after he loses his ability to reset the day, the movie becomes significantly less fun for me. Yep. Like, I still like the movie, but 
it's not quite the same anymore. And I know it's not meant to be because now it's like the stakes are higher. Now we have one shot and one shot only. But I just feel like they wouldn't be able to accomplish this in one shot. And the Uh ending is just a bit too dark for me. It's very hard to see. When I think of the ending for this movie, I think of it being very dark. And it is. It's true. All the action scenes up to that point have been in the sun. They've been bright or at least visible. But yeah, once they get to Paris, it's like kind of a dark mess. That's the only plot Um, problem I have is the the, the final act scene. Like he has to convince all of them, the Marines to, to join this, like, you know, suicide mission. I'm like, no, we're not going to violate orders to follow you, which is fine. I don't really care. It's it's just a nitpick thing of like, they're not going to do that. But I do like that. It brings the characters back into the movie. So like, so it feels like, intentional with having him meet these characters and them giving him a hard time and then him him saving them in the pit. Like it all, it it works better in a story than a logic kind of thing. It's, it's kind of silly, but I like that the, the characters all get their, their moment in the sun in the end. I like, uh, so I'm kind of torn on the ending because I agree with Corey that like it loses its charm once the power is taken away. Cause it's like, now we're just wheeling and dealing and it adds a lot more stakes because yeah, one, one random event can end this whole thing and we lose, but it, it also suspends your disbelief because you believe that he can do all these crazy things, dodge bullets and stuff like that because he's just done it before. So that is why he can do all these cool action things. But now he's doing all these cool action things and you're like, you're just wheeling and dealing and it's just another action film. Uh, what I kind of wish they would have done was they finally get to the alien. And his problem is, is there's no way they address it with the helicopter. But I wish that was towards the alien where he's like, there's no way we kill this thing and you live. And she's like, well, who gives a shit? Kill it. And he's like, I can't because I can't live in a world without you. I love you type thing, you know? And like, that's Mm. the big point is that he won't pull the trigger because of her. And then you can create some sort of drama from there. You still get all your action. You still get to fight to Paris and stuff. But like he, you could reveal that like he, we've gotten to this moment a bunch of times and he won't kill it because he knows she dies kind of thing. I don't know. That would be interesting. It'd be very thoughtful. I don't know if it'd be quite as satisfying as what uh, a mainstream audience would need, but I like that angle. I don't hate it. Yeah, and then like you could you could end it, and then he wakes up, and then he meets her again, and you go, "Oh, happy ending! We did it!" Like, um, yeah. But I, it's a minor complaint from a pretty good movie. Like, uh, not even pretty good, really good movie. But, um. I'm kind of saddened that more people haven't seen it. I think more are seeing it because I remember my group of friends being like, dude, have you seen Edge Tomorrow? It's like one of the better sci-fi movies I've seen in a long time. And I'm like, ah, I haven't. Yeah, whatever. But I feel like now I see it and I, I'm saying the same thing. Like you don't even have yeah. to be a big sci-fi fan to really enjoy Edge of Tomorrow. Like my wife liked Edge of Tomorrow and she's right. not an action sci-fi. She watches The Bachelor. Like... <laughs> Oh, mine too. Absolutely. Yeah, but she's like, I liked that movie. And I was like, yeah, see? 
they reuse this shot in the movie a few times. Like they really want to showcase this shot of Emily Blunt's oily muscles. Because she's pretty jacked in <laughs> this movie. And she's doing upward dog or cobra or whatever that is. <laughs> the yoga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't ruin this for me, Cole. <laughs> I do like too, now that you say it was a, a manga, that makes more sense. Because like, why does she have a sword? It's so dumb. For but her, then like, it's also cool. <laughs> her, her tits are way too small. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have any interest in manga and anime and stuff, so I make fun of it whenever I can. Uh, yeah, there, there you go. That's true. It's not a direct adaptation, I'm sure. It's not. She's, <laughs> she, she's definitely not equipped enough. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. Am she does have a giant sword, though. Yeah. Yes. She has a giant anime sword, which is another factor in this movie that I like, is that Tom Cruise's fighting style when he gets trained is way different than hers. Right, mm-hmm. she's kind of like an up close and like agility based combat style. She's very smooth and fluid, and he's kind of like brute force and like like punching the, the damn things with his mech suit. Yeah, he's more like he doesn't have the skill sets to do what she does, so he just works within the simple ones. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Um, Emily Blunt was excellent in this. She is the perfect like kind of femme fatale no not femme fatale but like she's sexy but like she is a soldier badass no time for you like kind of thing they don't i think it's the best adaptation of like when people want to see representation in an action film of like how you bring a female into a very male dominated like space she did it perfectly she's she's maintains like her femininity and stuff, but she's a badass through and through, but she's not like better than everybody else. She's just a good soldier, you know? And I, that character is so perfect. I wish I could just transplant that character into so many other action films. They do a good job at making her very desirable too, Mm -hmm. because she has this, like, I don't give a fuck about you attitude. (laughs) And I know this sounds like kind of Neanderthal of me, but like it kind of makes you the audience i think feel the way that tom cruise feels about her yeah like he's like into her like right away i think like you kind of get that vibe and uh she just doesn't want any of it well and like they do enough at teasing her too like there's a lore behind her but that you don't know like she's the hero angel of her done or whatever but she's got like this posse with like punisher skulls and I'm like, who are they? They look badass. They all die. But <laughs> well, so does she at the beginning without her power. Like she dies real quick, you know, when she doesn't have the ability to reset the day. And that's, despite all her training. And that's why yeah. I like it, is like it's like her reputation precedes her. Like she just so happened to get infected by alpha blood. And that but like then she takes that and uses it to her advantage. That's why I like that idea so much. Is it's She's not special. She's just kind of lucky, and then she's just the most equipped because she uses her time to the best advantage to get trained and know what to do. So I really like that twist of these characters a lot. I I have another issue to bring up, and I'll be curious to see how you guys feel about it. Uh, the science guy. Um, so there's a guy that used to work as a scientist at Whitehall but he was called crazy and sent to the salt mines. And, (laughs) 
he's been helping Emily Blunt. I don't know exactly how they came together, but they're a team, and they're the only ones that know about this. It leads into that thing where, like, I just don't believe that when these crazy hedgehog aliens that are unstoppable are blitzing through Europe, that generals are going to be like, oh, they control time. You're crazy. Kill him. Get him out of here. Like, <laughs> I feel like they would entertain it, especially since he didn't just come out of nowhere with it, you know? Well, I, she, she does talk about how she's tried numerous times to explain her powers, and they, they, they sect her or they lock her up. And that's kind of true. the... That's like the plot band-aid to kind of make this about them. Like, eh, well, they're, they're going to dissect me, which is probably, but that's the whole, the, like, the whole arrival conversation, right? Are they really going to be an asshole and lock you up when they can use your technology to save the world? Eh, that part, I believe, it's the little like stabby thing in the thigh that lets you see it. I, I kind of wish they would have done more like he start. The longer you're with the blood, the more you start to see through the eyes of the monster and it knows it too kind of like this like did that happen in lord of the rings i've seen it before where like you're sharing a mind but the other mind knows you're there harry potter so yes yeah very voldemort-esque um i i do think that would have been a better route than like break into whitehall to get the the special needle that helps you see like but well, that's mean. I do like Brendan Gleeson, though, and I, I like the confrontation with him. Exactly, so it's kind of worth it for that. I, exactly I do like it, too. And he's thing. like, we've had this conversation thousands of times, and you never <laughs> listen. <laughs> and, like, that's what it takes to convince him. He's like, look, man, you're stubborn as hell. Every time this happens, she just shoots you. Like, are we just going to have to come to that again? <laughs> <laughs> and how he's not phased by the fact that he's talking to a future person he's like hmm well, kill Gleason. him <laughs> Brendan Gleason's emotions always I don't like you <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna insert the off. Banshees thing here I just don't like you anymore <laughs> well, why would you do that one when you have in Bruges that's true you could just have him keep calling people a cunt his emotions are I don't like you and isn't this a beautiful little town yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Last thing I have to add is it's nice seeing Bill Paxton. It was nice seeing him. I was like, oh, mm. cool aliens. It's cool seeing Bill R.I.P. What a great addition to this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, perfectly played drill sergeant type. Like, he's got that, like, and uh, maybe Shane can speak more of this, but he's got that, like, drill sergeant, like, comedy to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where they're, like, kind of, like, so, like, cruel. They're, it's funny. Like, and it's <laughs> in the way they say things is funny. <laughs> And then the way he reacts to Tom Cruise, like finishing his sentences and shit. Mm -hmm. I just love the outside perspective on what military can do. Cause it's very like maybe back in the forties and the fifties and the sixties, like they could get away with shit. But like, I would love to just see the shit show that would come if a superior made someone eat cards (laughs) <laughs> like the whole unit would be liquefied and disbanded <laughs> like you know and it would be framed as like oh he did it because he was racist <laughs> like it would just be the biggest shit show to ever happen to the unit like you can't even insult people anymore the way it is like not this is some woke spiel it's just like Reality. the rules that people think the military operates under 
aren't aren't what we think. They're much tighter than people would imagine. Some some would say suffocating. <laughs> Shane's a two star general. He knows what he's talking about. Everybody. As a former two star general, <laughs> <laughs> disgraced. He would have been president if it wasn't for the gout. <laughs> yeah. I thought your shin splints you had a numb. Um, I, I just watched Scent of a Woman, so I was a lieutenant colonel, but I was juggling hand grenades and blinded myself. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that fucking movie. Um, Corey, anything else to add to bring in for Edge of Tomorrow since it was your pick? Hmm. No, I mean, I think that covers it. Uh, overall, I'd say definitely watch this movie if you haven't seen it. It's what I would call like a great action sci-fi movie. That's a lot of fun, really punchy, and a great premise. And a great premise goes a long way in movies like this. Yeah, I would say I haven't had this much fun in a sci-fi action since like Starship Troopers for other reasons and Aliens. Like those, those two kind of tickle the same bug that I get. When I watch this, you guys haven't seen the Adventures of Pluto Nash, have you? Then, <laughs> good lord! <laughs> I'm gonna watch Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets. <laughs> Another Luke Besson classic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I guess to wrap this up here, should we discuss which approach should we take to stopping the aliens? Which movie do you think? How can we sell the president? Which movie should we put forward to the president to What's to What's our battle plan? <laughs> what's our battle plan here to stop the alien invasion? Um, first of all, what assumption are we operating under that the aliens are? Are they like blow everybody up kind of aliens? Are they like Tomorrow War aliens slash Edge of Tomorrow? More oh, I watch I it, more Tomorrow War is just a complete rip of Edge of Tomorrow <laughs> in the shittiest way. I would say the aliens are down to fuck, so they're here to at least procreate. I don't know. I don't know if their intentions. You're are just trying to get us to talk to these aliens and get naked with them. <laughs> there, he goes. <laughs> there he goes. Oh boy, who fucked the Martian? Roddy's like, hear me out. We could procreate with them. I don't know. In all likelihood, if aliens came to our planet, they'd probably be ashamed of us. They probably wouldn't want to murder us. But I think it's more fun to go to murdering them. The aliens are here to fuck us and kill us all. They'll view us the way of the dodo. (laughs) Just of extinction because of how pathetic we are. What do you think, Corey? What's the best? Well, if the aliens are here to fuck us and kill us all, (laughs) uh, I say we stick Joe Biden in a jet and just (laughs) send him in there with the drunkest guys we can find. Now, now this is our Christmas day. Listen here, Jack. This is Christmas, Jack. Uh, I've seen some hairy legs, and 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 Pappy said that we're gonna get them. Nineteen fifty four. I saw an alien with corn pop, Jack. <laughs> and then Trump is actively siding with the aliens. <laughs> he's gonna make a deal. He's trying yeah. to sell them classified documents. <laughs> oh God. So, I really hope aliens never show up. I, at least within my lifetime, I think it would be pretty evident to any like advanced life observing humanity that we are not ready for alien contact. No, right? They'd be like, oh. That's why in Star Trek, there's clear like first contact protocols. Like they, like the society, the planet as a whole has to be ready to receive uh, contact from alien life. 
we our our whole fucking world would be destroyed. We'd either like just try to nuke them and kill ourselves, or we'd start a war with them, or we'd just freak out. Maybe we don't even fight them, but like humanity just crushes itself under like the the pressure and anxiety of the presence of aliens. It would be so fucking bad, dude. It would be a disaster. <laughs> it reminds just me of- think how the Earth came together over COVID. And now make it a sentient thing that is operating and changing and has its own set of goals. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. and watch us crumble. I always just think about now is like Futurona, just like uh, Zap Brannigan, just saying like, oh yeah, we'll destroy the aliens. We surrender. <laughs> like immediately be a traitor. We like, surrender. <laughs> Death by snoo snoo. <laughs> you know what? I'd have more faith if that's just how we went. We were just that brand again. We're, we're just completely selfish. And just, we surrender. We serve you. <laughs> How'd you win the Battle of Tanak? Oh, I kept putting millions upon millions of soldiers and dying, and eventually we clogged up their guns, and they all had to surrender. <laughs> 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 Oof. Okay. I, I think we stick to the Independence Day route mm-hmm. because it'll confuse the aliens when we fly <laughs> one of their ships in somehow. They're already impressed that somehow we've piloted technology we don't understand. But then they're confused by us trying to insert a floppy disk into their technology because we've put malware on it. Or the aliens are like, click here for singles in your area. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was thinking of going one step forward and we go the Chinese route. We give them an app called tiktok and then from there we learn about all their cultural things and then we and we pair them down from within <laughs> we go chinese route That's we bring we them do. down we to hack our them like level. jeff goldblum <laughs> jeff goldblum they look at their computer monitor and they see like a skull like in, in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just just in case they didn't get what is happening is bad <laughs> uh-uh. jeff goldblum prepared an animation for that uh-uh you oh. say the magic word uh-uh. oh god oh. Oh my! That would have been better. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Shane, um, get us the fuck out of here. Let Corey hawk his wares first. Get us the fuck out of here. Well, we've brought you experts in. The president has taken your advice, and unfortunately, what we're going to go with is that it was actually a, a misunderstanding. There are no comets coming. Um. It was just one of Elon Musk's satellites misinterpreting. So it was a smudge on the lens. We're all going to survive. Um, now we just have to survive the, the shithole that is the Earth now once everyone learned that aliens were coming to defeat us all. Um, buy stocks. And, and Tesla. Yeah. Um, also, I made a lot of money because I, I bet against the market when the aliens came. <laughs> so I am your god. <laughs> the end. Okay, fucking shit. Corey, thank you so much for joining us and using your afternoon to talk with us about space invasion movies. Can you tell us more about what you do that's of higher quality? Absolutely. Before I do that, I just have to give Shane an apology. What have you done? Shane, I am sorry. You guys did a podcast. I don't remember what episode it was. And you said the Flash is going to flop. <laughs> and I scoffed. <laughs> I scoffed at that comment. I think it was the Batman episode, actually. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, Shane is so detached from reality. This movie's going to make a billion dollars. He doesn't know what he's talking about. 
and here we are. And you're not even rubbing it in my face. You're a good man, Shane. I, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell I him, Corey. Just so overestimated when the exhaustion would come for like Disney. And I think it's finally happening. I just said it way too early. <laughs> no. Maybe so. That's hilarious. But not it's even nice Keaton to be humble. could save it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I think that I, I would like Ezra Miller on this podcast. I think he'd bring in some interesting <laughs> stuff. Waste potential podcast and no way agrees with those Shane <laughs> no, just no said. Nah, his, nah you, don't, you don't need Ezra. His rap sheet is so long that like, it's just funny that they decided to go with it. Like, there's actors that have been cut from films deeper into production than him, and yet he somehow, like, ran the gauntlet and got his movie made. <laughs> well. I don't know how, but I'm... This is what we need. We need more of these films to not do well. It's our only hope. All that being said, Guardians 3 came out two months ago and it made $835 million. So maybe they're not all doing bad. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> uh, I'm Corey. I represent the Big Dumb Movie Podcast. It's a podcast like this one where we talk about movies we like, movies we don't like. Over there, we cover your Terminators, your RoboCops, your Howard the Ducks, your heavyweights, <laughs> your little giants, classic kids' 90s movies. Sometimes I have these clowns over. Ronnie <laughs> likes to come on more often than Shane for some reason. You, you know, we talk He doesn't about even fucking King. tell me, you asshole. You've been sneaking away to other podcasts. I'm a whore. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about a kid in King Arthur's uh, court with Ronnie recently. That's one of my more recent episodes. I'd recommend checking that one out or an episode featuring both of these guys called face off, which was a lot of fun <laughs> recently got blocked from YouTube, but I fought it and now it's back. So check me out at big dumb movie. I'm also on Instagram. You might like what you hear. The only, I love movies. The only movie podcast I listen to is big dumb movie because it's insightful, but it's also really funny and so check them out for sure. That's true. I just listened to Dennis the Menace. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Dennis is truly a menace. <laughs> <laughs> and tortures, and tortures geriatric people. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my god. Shane, let's get the fuck out of here. Well, see y'all for the next premise that pops into my head. I don't know when this will get edited and put out, but Hopefully the world is still here and not invaded by aliens. And if so, maybe we provide the answer to defeat them. Thanks for coming on, Corey. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Ronnie, you can fuck yourself. All right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the wasted potential podcast okay hold on just no no stop oh, wait, it wait, stop wait, wait, again wait, wait, wait. never mind stop. let me start you're not gonna start like sighing don't sigh when you open the goddamn podcast <laughs> all right we're keeping the recording right, going I, right yes i want yeah right. yeah i want to restart this anyway saving so that for the end all right